Morning Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everyone? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. A little bit of a light week around the peg this week with the Bombers on the bye week, but we will uh, recap the week in the Canadian Football League with Teddy Wyman. And Jeff Hamilton will come on. We'll talk a little bit more about the Bombers at their first bye week, as well as some more Winnipeg Jets offseason talk. And then a little later on, really looking forward to this. A bit of a historic win yesterday out at Oak Island in the Manitoba Amateur. Braxton Kuntz of Breezy Bend won his third straight championship, becoming only the third Manitoban ever to do that, first since the 90s in Todd Fanning. The fan manner, by the way, still right there with the young guns. Incredible that he's still able to do what he's doing at his age uh, just because of how young so many of these young studs are coming into it. But uh, Braxton Coot's going to join us, former manageable player of the year. Uh, should be a great chat as well. We'll get to uh, Brian Harmon's somewhat anticlimactic win at the British Open. Big win for the Jays out in Seattle as well. And a CFL week that started off uh, without a lot of drama in the first three games certainly gave us some more as uh, there was a uh, another big OT win by Dustin Crum and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Bobby Dice gets another OT win as well. So we'll hit all of that coming up with Ted Wyman as well as Jeff Hamilton on today's program. Um, Just before we bring in Michael Remus and shout out to everyone that's watching on YouTube and a big thanks to all the podcast listeners making us a part of your day. Big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen. Of course, Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, uh, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, F Apparel, the Nikki Nikki DQ Group, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, BP and Royal Sports, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes who are back in town, Assiniboia Downs back at the post tonight. Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and of course, the great taste of Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg's favorite local brew. Let's get uh, Remus in here and get this show on the road. Remo, what uh, what's good? A couple of good days away from uh, away, away from the podcast grind. How uh, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was pretty good, Huss. I gotta admit, I'm playing playing a bit hurt today. Uh, maybe it was too good. I went to the pool with my son and. You know, started tossing him around the pool, and then he wants me to throw him in the air while spinning him. And I was like, sure, let's do it. And I tweaked something on my wrist, so I'm really... Anytime we switch a scene or I'm typing in the chat, I'm really feeling it today on my right uh, wrist. So, you know, injuries will come up in the weirdest ways, and playing in the pool with my uh, soon-to-be four-year-old son, uh, certainly one of them. Yeah, this this is that moment when you realize that even though he's still really small, he's just too big for these sort of things. No, I can still... Either that or you're going to need to hit the weight room because he's not getting any smaller, I hate to tell you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I you know, used to toss him around. It seemed like yesterday he was a little baby. I'd toss, be tossing him around. and Now I'm hurting my hurting my wrist doing it. So I'll grind. Speaking of podcast grind, I'll be grinding it out today, Hust. Uh, I might have to this is, tape well, it I'm up. glad you're here. I had to do that. I guess it was the a week earlier when I was basically felt like I was on my deathbed all week. Yeah. This is the thing about WST at this point. We don't have a big bench. 
Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, when, when you're nicked up and day to day, or I wasn't here, we kind of still had to come through and do it. Although we do have a great group of guys that uh, join us on a regular basis. And a couple of those, Jeff Wyman and Ted, or uh, Ted Wyman and Jeff Hamilton, who together have done Ted and Jeff's excellent adventures on the road, both coming on, albeit at different times, uh, different times today. Um, you know, listen, we're going to talk quite a bit of CFL with these other guys so we can get to some of these other stories, but that was one hell of a football game last night. I, I got to say, this is just great for the CFL to have a young quarterback come in and be able to do what Crum has done. In And I wasn't even going to say the last two games. I'll say the last six quarters because it took them 25 minutes to get one first down against the Bombers in the first half last weekend. Obviously, that changed significantly in the second half and in overtime. And, uh, man, ice in his veins. Come back. They were down six. They get the touchdown. They get the two-pointer. And, uh, you know, for a, a CFL week that had three games that uh, were only close if you were betting the spread, um, the game last night was an absolute thriller. Yeah. and we, Yeah, we had a stretch of, like, not great games. And you're like, oh, this season, not, you know, not the best. But then last week, really... Uh, starting with the second half of the Bomber game, uh, went absolutely bonkers. Then you had that, what, Calgary-Saskatchewan uh, game, and, you know, just rolled right into this week. And last night, Dustin Crum picked up where he left off, 43-41. Uh, just, you know, if you had over on just about anyone, you probably won in that game. And, you know, I had questions about Jake Mayer, but, uh, I thought he showed well with 450 passing yards and four touchdowns and a loss. He did have two interceptions, but Dustin Crum in overtime leading uh, Ottawa, who we thought was absolutely done, you know, onto their, what, third, fourth string quarterback, uh, leading them to back-to-back victories. So uh, kudos to them. That's a nice story, a nice story for uh, Bob Dice, Winnipegger as well, who's the head coach in terms of former Bombers. How about Tyrell Pigrome? Uh, on short yardage, filling you know, uh, pitching in with five carries for 29 yards. So Ottawa, we thought we thought was done. We thought you know their season was like similar with Edmonton. I know you and Ted will get into you know what's going on with them after losing to the Bombers. But here's Ottawa now, second in the East at three and three behind Toronto. Who, if you had to put uh, some power rankings, uh, the defending Grey Cup champions at five and zero oh would be number one on my list behind. Chad Kelly, but Dustin Crum, really nice story. And just what a game last night, too. Again, uh, 43-41 Ottawa over Calgary. Oh, it, it was awesome. And, yeah, good to see Piggy T getting uh, getting his chance. It was sort of unfortunate the way that all went down. I mean, everyone was so excited about what he uh, could bring to the table through training camp. And then they essentially had that one goal line uh, uh, series early in the year, maybe in the opener, where things didn't go their way. Next thing you know, Dakota Prukop's available, and um, and he is back. And, uh, you know, th- actually, that is one thing that certainly, you know, obviously well, Bombers on the bye week not practicing this week. But, um, and I guess probably some of it comes to the up-and-down nature of the offensive line's performances at times this year. Um, but there's been three occasions now the Bombers have been stopped with third and short to go. And that is certainly not something we've seen from the Bombers uh, quite a bit so far. Uh, so far, this well, in the O'Shea era, that's one thing that's been pretty consistent. Um, so, a few things the Bombers will be working on, and we'll talk a little bit more about that coming up with Jeff Hamilton a little earlier. But yeah, heck of a finale 
in the Canadian Football League, uh, the uh, Argos continued to uh, stay on top of the East, um, handling the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Friday night. And uh, tell you what, the other big news coming out of the weekend, Reem, as far as the CFL, was the injury to Vernon Adams. Um, you know, Dane Evans looked pretty good coming in. They got the win. The defense continues to be a serious problem for everyone going up against them, even especially with a backup quarterback in Mason Fine. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I know it's uh, still a little ways away, but I am fired up for that game on the 3rd of August where the Bombers will host the British Columbia Lions. The big question right now is, uh, you know, will the Bombers be able to make the most of their very favorable schedule going into that? BC plays again on Saturday and then on the short week on Friday here in the peg. Um, but the big question is Vernon Adams' availability is he left that game and did not return, Remus. I mean, they said he's not going to be out long-term, but again, we're talking about a game in, what, 10 days from now with another game in between. So I'm not sure whether it might be Dane Evans. Although, before people get too excited, let's not forget what Dane Evans did to the Blue Bombers last year as a member of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, shredding their defense for five touchdowns in his far and away best game of the season. Oh, I forgot about that game. Don't bring it up. Yeah. That was a pain. That was a hard to watch. There are not too many Bomber games the last few shocking. seasons that were they got... Uh, absolutely dominated uh, like that. But, yeah, it was Dane Evans. And I don't know if you saw the intermission interview with Dane Evans in that game, um, just saying all the right things, saying, you know, this is Vernon Adams' team. Uh, I feel so bad for him. You know, no one works harder than uh, VA on this. And just had such a great attitude coming in as the backup. And, you know, he wasn't spectacular, 16 to 25, 219 yards in, in relief, one touchdown, one pick. But it was enough for the win. I think BC is doing it uh, on their defense. And I thought Mason fine. I thought he made some really impressive throws early. But for him, it's just not not enough yardage on those. You know, average of, what, seven per completion. And, uh, what, 31 passes. But it's only for 278 yards. And when he tried to, you know, put a little, uh, go, you know, go for longer yardage near the end, he threw two interceptions. So I... Actually, didn't mind him at the start of the game, Mason Fine, but they could, both teams that game, absolutely zero on the ground game. Jamal Morrow, uh, who we know is a talented running back, 12 carries, 11 yards, not ideal. And BC uh, Mazel was out, and it was Sean Shivers. I kept calling him uh, Shivers leading up to the game. I don't know, I thought that was a much cooler name, but Dusty was going with Shivers, so I'll, I'll follow his lead. 10 carries, 21 yards. So um, BC couldn't get it done on the ground. Uh, their passing was, you know, they went to the backup, but their defense, uh, very, very strong. And as we count down now for the BC-Winnipeg rematch that we've all been waiting for, as you said, BC will have another game uh, coming up on, sorry, that's uh, Thursday, August 3, coming up on Saturday while they go to Edmonton. And we know, we know all about Edmonton this season. Yeah, well, we expect them to win that game, but we also expect them to not have a lot of time to get ready for the Blue Bombers. Although... Maybe they'll just prep for the Bombers all week this week, knowing that they can probably go in and officially make the Elks the uh, most futile home streak, or basically ensure that they have the longest losing streak in North American sports history at home. They're tied right now with the St. Louis Browns, which I believe was a baseball team back like 60, 70, 80 years ago. Um so anyways, it is ugly. It is ugly right now uh, in Edmonton. 
Um, and that's going to be a big story this week. But, of course, the Bombers have gone uh, their separate ways for a few days. Some R&R, get out of the office, get away from the room, maybe get to the lake, the beach. Five and two right now. I mean, still lots of work to do for the club, but uh, in a pretty good spot. And it is all about that game for Winnipeg on August 3rd when uh, when the British Columbia Lions come to town. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more, get Ted's thoughts on the weekend that was in the Canadian Football League. And as we mentioned, Jeff Hamilton's coming up a little later on. Um, I want to talk some baseball, Reem, but just right off the bat, I kind of mentioned to do this uh, right off. we got to thank everyone for uh, the incredible response for the WST night at the Goldeye game. And uh, I believe our pal Will out at the Gold Eyes, is uh, sending out the tickets. Uh, I think he did some over the weekend as well as today. And uh, we're pushing like 90 folks in the chat. And I guess if everyone's li- anyone's listening, they want get, to still get tickets for the game or meet up with the rest of the Winnipeg Sports Talk crew, uh, the game is Wednesday night. We'll all be along the left line, uh, left field line in and around near Craft Beer Corner. So pick up a ticket and join us. But uh Two days away from what's going to be a really, really fun night. And, uh, oh, it looks like it is going to be steamy this week. Perfect for a few generic loggers. Oh, it's actually gone down a little bit. I, I was seeing that it was going to be 33, just a high of 30. So um, we'll be in the shade. We'll be, at, we'll be in a nice area. That's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. And thanks to everyone that uh, stepped up and uh, is going to join us at the game on uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, and over the weekend, they started sending out uh, tickets to those who purchased or pushing uh 90 here i'm looking forward to this event i gotta get everything together shout out to everyone who ordered um wst merchandise as well i'll be delivering it there with promo code fish you got a nice discount and i have making sure we have koozies uh for everyone um i think it's gonna be a great night looking forward to a great game trying out checking out uh, craft beer corner might have to sample a beer bad or that barbecue bowl uh, such great food oh, there. So the barbecue bowl. Yeah, looking forward to meeting everyone. Um, I think it's the, it's exciting. They know that we can say, "Hey, we're having a night out at the Gold Eyes," and so many people say, "Yeah, I want to come," and uh, we'll have a whole section out there. This is, I think, it's gonna be fun. So uh, I'm pumped. Really excited seeing all the the positive response for it. Uh, Gold WST Gold Eyes night. Yeah, well, uh, anyways, uh, looking forward to it. And um, again, if you missed out, I mean, we've sort of put our final order in and everything's getting sent out today. But if you're thinking about uh, joining us last minute, you can always get tickets at goldeyes.com. Just uh, look for a seat in and around the left field line. And you'll be able to come and find us some space and uh, and join us for that. Um, speaking of baseball, it was the big Jays Mariners series on the weekend, Reem. And, you know, these games were all really tight. Um, the Jays lost the first couple and wasted a really, really good performance by Kikuchi on Friday night. Um, Saturday's game was a lot different. I mean, at one point in, in one inning, three home runs by the Jays followed by three home runs in the Mariners. But these games were so close. This was not, it should not have been a sweep. And Toronto got back into the win column and salvaged something out of it for so many thousands of fans that made the trip down to Seattle with the win yesterday going one and two over the weekend. Big weekend in Seattle. I don't know if you knew this. It was also a Taylor Swift concert uh, down the street from uh, T-Mobile Park. When my friend sent me a Snapchat, I'm like, are you there for the baseball or for Taylor Swift? And he was there for Taylor Swift. 
Uh, baseball didn't work is out. Is that but... the equivalent? Is that the equivalent of saying I'm going to the movies and having someone ask if you're going to Oppenheimer or going to Barbie right now? Well, we <laughs> maybe. And who is who? <laughs> maybe I've seen a lot of those memes online. We can get to it. we can get to that if either of us did the double header. But it was what former Jay Teoscar Hernandez, who before the series said he'd be open to signing with the Blue Jays when he becomes a free agent. Uh, with the game-winning hit and two of the Seattle wins. Absolutely incredible. So not an ideal spot there for the Jays dropping two to the Mariners. And you look at the ALEs. Remember when Tampa got off to that ridiculous start to the season? It seemed like they were just going to run away with the division. Not so fast, Tess. This is why they play 162. Tampa now two games back of the Baltimore Orioles who want, on a two-game win streak. They're in first place now. I can't remember the last time Baltimore... Uh, you know, would be in first. And there are the Yankees with 53 and 47, uh, eight and a half games back at the bottom. Blue Jays, 55 and 45, holding down a wild card. Never Bo- gets old seeing the Yankees at the bottom it's- of the ALE standings, but you are right. So the Rays are 19 games above 500. Were they not 20 some games above 500 in the first month of the season? Yeah, maybe. Like, I, don't know. I think they're basically under 500 over the course of their last 60, 70 games. They're. I haven't followed you. I just know that uh, Baltimore is in first. And this AL East is just an absolute meat grinder. And uh, there's Toronto holding down the third wild card spot with Boston and the Yankees right behind him. The trade deadline coming up next week. I don't know if what the Jays are looking to add. Uh, but How about Otani? Online. Can we can we interest you in Shohei Otani? I did enjoy the online rumors of them bringing back Marcus Stroman. I don't know if those are actually real rumors or people wanna wanna have Stroman with the Cubs. Right Stroman's having a killer season with Chicago, and they're he's not been, very good. He's been great um, since you know being traded from Toronto. I thought he was great in Toronto, so I would like. I'm a big Stroman guy. I'd like to see him come back, but uh, I don't know if that, how realistic that is. So the trade deadline, what is usually July 31st, right? A week today, and uh, we'll have to see what happens there, how it shapes the uh, the races going forward. Yeah, well, uh, as you mentioned, Jays six and a half back of the Orioles right now, but still holding down a wild card spot. Um, and we're wondering, what, uh, what's going on? Do they get right back in it? Uh, to, is today the 23rd or the 24th? Uh, today's the 24th. Okay. So Jays are right back at, Ooh, opening up a series against the Dodgers. Your favorite, the West coast games, 9 PM tonight. Start down at Chavez Marine. Um, Hey, while we, uh, you know, obviously we're going to get to a little more CFL talk and some NHL talk with hammer. There was some hoops on the weekend and after an ugly Thursday night in Calgary for the sea bears, they bounced back yesterday with a big win over Vancouver. A Vancouver team that sucks, but will be in that final tournament on account of being the host teams right now. Um, but uh, it looks like right now that the Sea Bears are looking good for that home playoff game. Tied for first overall in the league right now. And interestingly enough, I guess there was a home and home between Niagara River and Ottawa. Niagara won both of those games, so it's it's tight at the top of the CEBL standings right now. 
Ottawa Blackjacks and Winnipeg Sea Bears both at 12 and 7. Niagara 11 and 7 with one game in hand and Scarborough Shooting Stars 10 and 7 with two games in hand. But it's quite clear the uh, Winnipeg Sea Bears are the class of the Western Division right now. Uh, they've got that one more game coming up next Saturday, Remus, downtown. They're opening up more seats, so the entire lower bowl is going to be full. Potentially another record crowd. And I think that will be a big one because there's been so many people that I think have been trying to get tickets to go to games that haven't been able to. As these last three have been sold out. Um, going to be a hell of a way to finish off the regular season and then likely one home playoff game, I believe, before they go to the uh, final tournament out in Vancouver. Yeah, did you hear that? Has the sound of all the CEBL fans saying that Sea Bears were gifted a first place team, an expansion <laughs> franchise winning. Uh, all the fans, us, it's all the fans of Vancouver. They're what? They're the host, and they're like, oh, the Sea Bears, they got gifted this. This team, didn't you hear all the fans on social media from the, the other only teams? People that have been gifted anything is the Vancouver Bandits for a spot in the championship tournament, <gasps> of which they do not belong anywhere near as a six and twelve yeah. team on the league, tenth out of ten teams in our CEBL basketball league. Oh well, anyways, uh, I'm excited for uh, the Sea Bears here. The Saturday night game, uh, I think it's going to be electric. At Canada Life Center, best fans in the league, and uh, this home playoff game, uh, we believe that's correct. Us, they are getting a home playoff game. Uh, we don't know when it is, but uh, I got to be in attendance for that because uh, you know the Winnipeg uh, basketball fans really bring it. Uh, the presentation, excellent, and the team, uh, the team. I mean, first place. Look at this. Thank you, CBL, uh, Mike Morial, for gifting. Uh, Winnipeg, uh, an expansion, a total gift, you know right? Let's give credit where credit is due. Mike Taylor's done a great job yeah. uh, coaching these guys up, sticking with the group that was there at the beginning of the season and obviously doing a pretty good job and putting it together. Teddy Buckets is probably going to be the MVP, I would imagine. Chad Posthumus was a great signing. And Simon Hildebrand, their number one draft pick. I don't know how many other draft picks in that league are actually making contributions around the uh, uh, to their squads. But he's been a major force for Winnipeg this year in a league in a, a season where I think many of us thought that he might get some spot time, just a little bit of experience, but that hasn't been the case. Now, Doug Phil was asking in chat, how do the playoffs work in the CEBL? <clears throat> as far as I know, and listen, I've asked a lot of people and it is not entirely clear, but as I understand it, the championship is given out in a tournament, a one weekend tournament and Vancouver as the host team is going to be in that spot in the tournament. So the fact that they're 10th in the league means that they essentially are going to usurp Winnipeg, all the other teams for a spot. <clears throat> the East teams will play two quarterfinals and then there'll be one presumably involving Winnipeg. Uh, and then, the Vancouver team will get the uh, get the number one seed. So what's going to happen is the Sea Bears are going to finish this game, their regular season on Saturday at home, and then I believe we'll be playing a lower seeded team from the West to move on to that tournament. And I guess that's probably going to be the Calgary Surge, because as I said, Vancouver is already in. So one game at home, 
and then a win would mean a trip to uh, the tourney, and then the tourney basically is four teams. I believe it's just semifinals and a championship game. So we'll have to lean on that. Uh, maybe we'll get the coach on at some point this week with the Bombers off Remus. It might be a good time to get ready and obviously get ready for that big finale of the uh, regular season. Yeah, what a you know what a team uh, that they put together. You know, bringing everyone together. He said he wanted to bring in good people and. Uh, we talked with Simon last week. Who talked about the who mentioned the consistency um, with the roster. You know, not really switching things up like other teams have, and uh, it's definitely benefited benefited them. And yeah, Teddy Allen second in the league for uh, points per game, twenty six point nine. And who I see, Chad Posthumus leading the league in total offensive rebounds. Uh, Jelani Watson Gale with leading the league in uh, three point percentage. So. Now they definitely got some what ball players? Is that a Rutger McGrory term? Can I say ball a players? McGordyism. Can sure I say ball? Can. They got some ball players on this team. <laughs> so, uh, congrats to them. I think it's. I think this. I mean, you have to ask David Asper, the owner, but I'm sure the success of this season. Um, I'm sure they thought it was going to be successful, but this probably blew away any expectations they had. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I mean. I think they knew that there was a real potential for it to happen. Um, and again, we're talking about nine games. I mean, I think, you know, the long term we'll see. But, um, you know, one of the few very correct takes I had on this program uh, regarding this league was that, you know, after seeing that first game and being there, that this team wasn't just going to lead the league in attendance. It would average higher than the previous all-time high single-game attendance was. And I think that's pretty much a done deal already. So... Uh, we will talk a little bit more Seabears, but yeah, they won 90-79 in Vancouver on the weekend. One more game at home coming up this week. And uh, Remo, speaking of the local teams, as we get ready for our Goldeye game on uh, on Wednesday, Goldeyes are heating up just at the right time. They were murdered in the first two games of the season with Milwaukee, 11-0 in 19-4, but came back with 8-7 and 5-0 wins on the weekend. Travel day today, and then it's Sioux City on Tuesday to get things going. Yeah, big homestand coming up for the Gold Eyes. Hasn't been, you know, the way that you'd like it to go uh, this season, but maybe they can, you know, start ending on a high note here. Sioux City in town, Fargo on the weekend. We will be there Wednesday against Sioux City. And just looking at uh, a little promo schedule, Tuesday has Ukrainian night. Uh, country night Thursday, Friday, October Fest in July with a beer mug giveaway. Oh, baby. Um, I think we're going to do our own little mini uh, October Fest in July on Wednesday as well, or at least some of the people coming to the games. We'll have uh, everything ready to go at Craft Beer Corner. We'll get some gifts and prizes to give out as well. we got to figure out how we're going to do that. But anyways, it's going to be <clears throat> a very fun time, especially considering the fish are kind of picking it up a little bit. All right, let's um, get ready to talk to Teddy. Um, Ted Wyman's going to jump on with us in just a second to, uh, you know, sort of stop. This is not quite like a halfway point, but a lot of ways for the Bombers, it is a good point to take a look around the league and do a little bit of an inventory on all of that. Um, so we'll do that with Ted coming up in just a sec. And before we do that, got to give a big shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barber Shops, now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road, 
Modern Man's got you covered, fellas, with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look via modernmanbarber.com or follow them on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. Hot weather coming up this week. Wouldn't it be great to have a pool? Well, maybe it's time to make 2023 the year you take the plunge. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And of course, whole home rentals start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. And as the summer continues on, Manitoba Battery is powering the province with the best prices and the best service in town. If you need batteries for anything this summer, whether it be a boat, a lawn tractor, your camper, an ATV, a Sea-Doo, Manitoba Batteries is where you need to go. Shop local, get the best price in town, beating the pants off the big box stores, and better yet, save you time as well, as Donnie and the gang will deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg for any purchases over 60 bucks. Find out everything they've got waiting for you at manitobabattery.com. And of course, you can also let them know, uh, you give them a phone call, they'll t- take it to wherever you need. Or if you want to pop in and see them, wonderful staff waiting for you down at 1026 Logan Avenue. Again, order online today with free delivery in the city of Winnipeg at manitobabattery.com. And just before we get to Ted, cheers. To our friends at Canadian Club, we went actually with James and Angela from Canadian Club and had a great time at the Bomber game on Thursday night. But we also took down that yard dog, which I'm now, which is now completely in the rearview mirror for me. But uh, w- what an experience that was! Um, best part about it was though we had a few CC and gingers, which were so great, and that Jim Beam and lemonade, maybe the new drink of the summer for uh, for yours truly. Uh, of course, you can get CC and Ginger now in those big 473-milliliter cans at Liquor Marts or your local beer store and the entire family of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, available at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart location. All right, Jeff Hamilton coming up in a bit. But right now, let's welcome in Ted Wyman from The Sun. Talk a little CFL as the Bombers head into the bye. Teddy, what's up, buddy? How are you? How's your summer going? Oh, it's going great. Huss, it's, uh, you know, it, it really has been a great summer, hasn't it? The weather was beautiful all the way from May into June and uh, maybe not as hot in July, but really enjoying it. And it's been, you know, all the football games at uh, IG Field, it's just been great weather and such a great atmosphere out there. I don't know what could be better. I, I, I'm just having a, a fantastic summer with life and sports and weather and everything. Well, no kidding. And just before we get to the week in the Canadian football, you mentioned the weather's been beautiful. No bugs. Yeah. Like literally, and I watch this, I'll, we'll get some massive rain come in this week and it'll change. But I mean, we've probably been golfing or whatnot, just not even a single mosquito bite. So thank you for that. We saw our old pal Slava Malamud actually was in uh, Winnipeg over the last week or so and had nothing but nice things to say and made sure that he mentioned that there were no bugs. So that we need that reputation fixed because this summer and a couple other summers recently, it hasn't been bad. So I think, uh, you know, I think I think we need to get the word out that we do have beautiful summers and there aren't that many bugs. Yeah, this would be the time. Yeah, we're, we won't be 
pitching for the all-star game in the NHL anytime soon, but the draft around this time could actually do wonders for Winnipeg. Um, Ted, certainly the CFL saved the best for last when it comes to drama, but let's go back to the start of the week. Uh, Bombers win on Thursday. I had a little bit of time to unpack it all. What did you think of uh, the Bombers getting to 5-2 and two as they head out onto their bye week? Interesting question, Huss, because it seems like, you know, certainly the Twitterverse and the emailers and the people I talked to, if, if, you, if you listen to their take on it, the Bombers didn't win by enough, right? So that's uh, that's kind of the... Well, it's the, true. They were just short of covering the spread. Right. But that's the kind of thing that the Bombers are dealing with right now because they've been such a good team for so long and they've been so dominant at home that people just expect them to dominate any, everybody and there's not going to be any kind of close game and, you know, there's no other team on the field. But, uh, you know, the truth is the Elks put up a pretty good fight. I thought the Bombers didn't execute well in the first half. It didn't look like uh, they did not look like a dominant team. I, I'm not going to lie. At around halftime, I'm always pondering what my story is going to be. And I was thinking, well, let's, uh, you know, we need to reflect what's going on with these Bombers. And that's that they're just not the team that they were last season. They're just not quite as um, as dominant. They're not quite as uh, on point. They're having some issues in various phases of the game. And I don't think that completely changed with that second half, but it was a really good second half. I mean, they played excellent football on all sides of the ball in the second half. They executed tremendously. I don't think anybody's going to complain about 424 yards of offense. I don't think anyone's going to complain about 110 rushing yards for Brady Oliveira and over 300 yards passing for Zach Caleros. If you didn't know the circumstances of the game and you just looked at the stats, you'd say that's a really good performance. So in my opinion, they took care of business. Um, got themselves back on track a bit. They have a bye week, which allows them to really rest up. And then they've got a huge test because the BC Lions are a darn good football team. The Bombers are probably right now ranked third on most power lists in the league. And the Lions are one of them that's ahead of them, including the Toronto Argos as well. And this is where they're going to have to really amp up and take care of business because you sure wouldn't want to lose a second one at home to the Lions. No, there's no doubt about that. And we'll get to the Lions in a minute. Um, I, I'm sort of with you. I mean, it was an underwhelming first half. I don't think anyone that was there at IG Field was uh, blown away by what we saw in the first 30 minutes of the game. But, you know, credit to Edmonton for playing tough defense, for hanging around. It did see, though, once the Bombers came out of that tunnel in the second half, they uh, reminded everyone who they are. And at that point, you just saw Edmonton basically wilt under the power of the Bomber defense and certainly that running game. Uh, you've covered this league for a long time. Can you remember a sadder situation for a franchise than the Elks are at right now as we uh, get into the uh, second third of this year? No, and that was typical for the Elks, what happened there. You know, you show up, you play some, I mean, you wouldn't call it good football. They only had six points. They weren't able to do much, um, but they they showed up and they were in that game. It was 16-14 in the third quarter and things looked pretty good after they had that explosion play from uh Taylor Cornelius to uh, Dylan Mitchell. But then, as you said, they wilt. And and a lot of it comes from, um, I think, the fact that Taylor Cornelius just doesn't seem to have it as a quarterback. And, the, and they needed him to be able to use his feet and get out of the pocket and run in order to pick up yards. And unfortunately for the Elks, the Bombers figured that out. They found a way to make sure they contained him. And once they did that and they forced him to try to beat them with his arm, it, it's just not there. 
you know, he, he, you can see that Taylor Cornelius can make the throws. It was a beautiful throw for the touchdown. You can see that he does it, but he makes mistakes all the time. He overthrows passes. He underthrows passes. He does not have a particularly accurate arm. And I don't want to beat up on the guy, but I don't think at uh, 4-22, and 22, he should be getting too many more chances as the starting quarterback in this league. Um, and, and, of course, I don't really think that Chris Jones would have a job still if the Elks had a choice. I, I don't think they do have a choice. I think they have to keep him around financially. They'll be in a lot of trouble if they, if they had to let him go. That's the understanding from what I'm hearing. And overall, it is incredibly sad because us, I grew up in an era where Edmonton had the greatest team in Canada. They had all the best players. They won five in a row. They were the model franchise, and I would say even 10 years ago, they were still high up there in attendance and, and, and highly regarded for what they were doing on and off the field. And now you look at them and they're, you know, they've lost the community. The fans aren't there anymore. Um, they're, they're, they're not uh, able to break out of this funk, which has gone on far too long. Lost uh, 11 games in a row now. Haven't won at home since 2019. I just don't know that it could be sadder. I think that's what your question was, and I just don't think it could. Yeah, well, and you just mentioned, I mean, I saw the interview with Victor Kui afterwards, and I know that Farhan had reported this is a series of one-year deals, and Victor Kui said, no, this is a, this yeah. is a four-year deal, and essentially said that no changes are coming. Like, this is already a lost season. Regardless of what happens, oh, they win a couple games in the second half. They go 3-15. and 15, They go 4-14. and 14. How are you supposed to run it back with that same group of staff members led by Chris Jones, who has all those jobs, and expect anybody to come out and expect any different? I mean, this is, to me, this is a very, very, um, uh, it's, a, it's a dangerous spot for this organization to be in, and one that's been supported as well as almost any franchise for the better part of our lifetimes. Yeah, I think dire would be the, the right word right now. It's, it's so... Um... It's so shocking, really, that it has come to this. You always expected them to just kind of turn it around. Chris Jones has won great cups. He's uh, he, he, he built a good team in Saskatchewan before bolting to the NFL. He has the ability to do the jobs that he's tasked with right now. But he's not doing them well. He, he hasn't done well in the personnel department. He, I don't think he's made very good decisions when it comes to what's going on on the field. I think they've hitched their, as an organization, they hitched their wagon to a quarterback that clearly is not at the same level as any other quarterback in the league. I don't think, even with some injuries right now, I think Taylor Cornelius is still the ninth best quarterback in the CFL among the starters. And that's with backups starting in Ottawa, NBC probably now, and Hamilton. I mean, he's the guy that's having the least effective season once again. And so... I, I I just don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It seems like they're in a between a rock and a hard place. I know that's an old cliche and a proverb, but it does seem like that's where they are. And they don't have a lot of moves they can make other than to keep trotting these guys out and hoping that they can find a way to win. Now, I thought they looked like the other day that they're they're pretty competitive. They they're going to win a game somewhere along the lines here. They are, it's a, and, and hopefully for their fans, it's at home. But they're just, they don't have any choice but to keep on trying to do what they do. Uh, they've got some good players. Kevin Brown, the running back's pretty good. 
They've got Geno Lewis, who's literally one of the very best players in the league when he comes back from injury. Dylan Mitchell sure looks good. Um, it, it, it's just, you know, Jake Serezna on the defensive line is a real good player. They've got too many young players in the lineup. There's no doubt about it. When you're trying to break out of a funk, that's a hard way to do it. But they're competitive enough that somewhere, somehow, they're going to get a win, and hopefully that just sets them back on a track that's much more positive than what they're on right now. Because as of right now, every before every game, Chris Jones basically says, I just want to win so bad. Well, that doesn't help. Wanting it doesn't help. Uh, Ted Wyman's with us uh, breaking down the week in the Canadian Football League. Um, big matchup in the uh, rivalry between the Argos and the Ticats. Uh, another comfortable win by Toronto. Are you more impressed with what the Argos have done this season um, or wondering what the heck's going on in Hamilton? Another court, another team that's been um, really hammered with injuries in the most important position. Agreed. Um, Toronto looks great. That's all I can say. They like, sure do. I, I haven't even seen every minute of their games, and I already know that Chad Kelly is the top candidate for the MOP in the league right now. I look at the stats, pour over it. And, and I just, I'm impressed. You know, they're averaging almost 40 points a game. Who does that? D- Doug Flutie. <laughs> you know, it's been a while since a team has been quite this dominant. And, yeah, they haven't faced Winnipeg yet, but they did face BC and they beat them handily. Um, and, and I think they, they're building off of what they did last year, which was come on strong towards the end of the season, win the division, get into the Grey Cup and win the Grey Cup. Yeah, I think you could definitely argue the Bombers kind of helped them with that one, gave it to them a little bit when they probably should have. But it's really going to look too bad on the Bombers if the Argos go on some kind of run here as a, as a powerhouse because that was a game that the Bombers could have won, that Grey Cup last year. Right now, the Argos are looking, I'm not going to say unbeatable, but they're close to it. I mean, especially in that East Division, their rivals out there aren't going to give them a lot of trouble, I don't think. So it's going to be a matter of how are they going to do against Winnipeg and Saskatchewan and BC if they face them again this year. And um, I, I really like what they're doing there. They've got exciting players. They made a real uh, Ryan Dinwiddie. Now there's a good young coach, and the Argos know it. And they know that they've caught lightning in a bottle there. So they're they're going to make sure they keep on hold on to him as long as they can. And then they made this decision in the offseason. It reminds me very much of what BC did when they were fine with letting Mike Riley retire and handing the reins directly to Nathan Rourke because they knew what they had. And Nathan Rourke came out and was the best quarterback in the league. Here you go. McLeod Bethel-Thompson wants to go and play in the USFL. Okay, that's fine. Go ahead. We feel like we've got something here in Chad Kelly. And, you know, they're absolutely right. He's an exciting player. I was asked on a different podcast last week, Huss, who were the most exciting players in the league, and everybody talked about Janarian Grant and Mario Alford and James Worthy just because everybody loves kick returners. And I said Chad Kelly. I mean, I think Chad Kelly really amps up the excitement level of this league because he does all the things well that you want in a quarterback. He's got a great arm, and he's completing a lot of passes. Uh, It makes for a lot of fun. I wish anybody in Toronto cared, but... You know, it's not even totally fair to say that because the TV ratings are excellent this year. It's been really, really good, and the games have been really good. I think the CFL is on a bit of an upswing right now, and I think guys like that, Chad Kelly and the Argos being as good as they are, I think that helps. Yeah, well, it would be nice to see a little few more asses in BMO for uh, for their games because the team is uh, is great. 
Uh, they don't have to worry about those crowds in the hammer. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I think we have just seen the erosion of a roster dating back to 2019 and those two Grey Cup losses to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And again, it's hard maybe to judge too much. They thought they had Bo Levi Mitchell and then Schultz here on your third string QB. You're probably going to be up against it. But it does seem like they have really kind of gradually slipped from uh, being the beast of the East for the better part of the last, uh, well, you know, for five years. Yeah, and then and I mean, there's a lot of respect around the league for Orlando Steinauer, and and you know, I think, um, you know, people do believe that he's a good coach, uh, but do, does even a really great coach have the ability to get past what they've been dealing with in terms of injuries? I'm not, I'm really not convinced that they'd be that much better if Bo Levi was playing. Um, he did not have a good start. His accuracy was way off. I mean, I, I'm only basing that on the two games that I saw, which was one uh, at IG Field, and he was missing open receivers. That's early in the season, so you can't read too, too much into that. But, I mean, I, I think the jury's out still as to whether Bo Levi has it as a starting quarterback anymore in this league. So, we, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they could be a lot better. I, I doubt they're beating Toronto, um, you know, even with their best roster right now. That's one thing that I think is quite true. But they've had issues in other areas, and uh, they're in a tough spot. They play Toronto a million times, right? I mean, that's the way the schedule is set up because they love that, that rivalry. Toronto's going to beat up on them all day and unless they can figure out some ways to, to sort things out or you know maybe get some improvement at that quarterback position. I just don't know where that's going to come. Um, Dane Evans might have looked okay there considering they, they let him go and, uh, and now he's going to be a valuable piece in DC. So I, 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 I'm not worried about Hamilton. I think they'll come around. I do. I just think they do every year. I think Steinauer is a good coach. They might have to come on late, try to sneak into the playoffs, but it's, you know, it's not a good situation right now, especially with those quarterback injuries. Well, uh, you know, listen, while we're talking about the East and quarterbacks, we may as well get right to it. I mean, uh, at first it was the crumbback, uh, <laughs> and now he just simply is uh, Mr. Overtime. Um, 2-0, two OT wins, a thriller last night on the road in Calgary. Uh, I was saying to you off air, I mean, as pissed off as I was that the Bombers blew that game a couple weeks ago, uh, I saw Bobby Dice on the sidelines, and I mean, most of us here in Winnipeg that have had any interactions know what a great person he is, and I mean, yeah, I had to feel good for Bob, especially with the turd sandwich that he'd been served up at the start of the year with all the injuries. Um, Crum has seemingly single-handedly saved this season for Ottawa, and uh, they got a bit of momentum right now. It, it really is a great story, and that's another thing that this league needs, talented young QBs. Absolutely. Everything about that is great, and for all the reasons you mentioned, because as you said, we all all have a lot of respect for Bob Dice, a uh, good Winnipeg guy. And, um, you know, one who worked his way up from the St. Vitale Mustangs, Winnipeg Hawkeyes, Manitoba Bisons, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, assistant coach around the league, and then head coach and and having a great last couple of weeks. Does that mean the Red Blacks are going to be great all year? I'm not sure, but I, I, I'll tell you this. I think the Red Blacks have a very good defense, and I think it showed in that game against the Bombers. Their defense had as much to do with what went on there as Dustin Crum did, he's the exciting player. He's the catalyst. He made things happen at the right time. But that defense did a fantastic job of putting him in a position 
to be able to lead that. Well, the Bombers did nothing on the ground in that no, entire that's... game. And in the second half, when, you know what, okay, let's go out and run the ball, yeah. they tried to do it. And listen, they've been good banging away, banging away, and then breaking it open in the fourth quarter. They never really got there to that point where they had any confidence running the football. And you're right. The Ottawa defense was full marks for the way they hung in that game. Well, that's one of the reasons why I, I – thought it was very important that the Bombers put together that long drive against Edmonton. It was a 94-yard drive. 58 of those yards were Brady Oliveira on the ground. It's exactly what they needed the week before in Ottawa and couldn't come up with. So credit again to Ottawa for doing it. And how about Brandon Dandridge, defensive back and kick returner for Ottawa? Two pick sixes in two weeks. How important is that? And these are in games that they won in overtime. If you don't get those points from the defense... You're just not getting what you, you know, what you, what happened in the, in the long, in the long run. They need everything and it's all really working for them right now. And how cool and calm is Dustin Crum to lead two uh, touchdown drives in overtime. Also get the two point convert in this last game. He had two, two point converts against the Bombers. Those are not, they're not gimmies. Calgary wasn't able to do it. It's just really good to see a guy with that kind of, energy and that kind of calmness to come out as a fourth string quarterback thrown into a tough situation and really he took him a half to start figuring it out and once he did he really he shone he excelled and he is an exciting young player i've been joking with some of the guys around the football beat that he's going 100 no for his career and then yesterday i amended it because it's gonna have to be 100 no with 100 overtime wins Maybe I'm setting the bar a little high for him, but, you know. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what, though, dude. Um, the MAC conference is cranking out some pretty good CFL QBs. Um, first was Nathan Rourke, now Crum. I guarantee you there'll be a lot of people that will be uh, spending quite a bit of time. Uh, CFL teams are going to be scouting that conference maybe a little bit more. Um, listen, before we go, uh, bombers are off. And then a week of practice. BC doesn't have that luxury. They had a game on Saturday. Vernon Adams gets hurt. Another game on Saturday. And then a Thursday game against the Bombers. Certainly the schedule is favoring the Bombers here. But uh, just quick thoughts on the Lions that will be Winnipeg's next opponent. Especially considering what we've learned about VA's injury that could potentially keep him out of that game. Although Dane Evans looked pretty darn good. And he was the one guy that ripped up the Bomber defense last year, if you recall. Sure was. You don't don't forget that. But... Again, I love Ottawa's defense. I think BC's got a great defense, and that means that they don't need those quarterbacks to be, you know, doing everything on their own. They're, they've got great support. The defense is, uh, is rock solid. They didn't let Saskatchewan do much. And I think it was just a stroke of genius, really, for the Lions to pick up Dane Evans because Vernon Adams is a really good quarterback, but we know that he's like, you know, he's not that far removed from being a guy who was beaten out for a job in Montreal last season. He's not a guy that we all knew uh, was going to be a superstar in this league. He was always sort of a fringe, whether he would be great or not. He's fit in really well so far, but he gets injured. But you've got Dane Evans who can come in, and I'm telling you, you put Dane Evans with a good football team, with a team where he doesn't have to try to do too much, that guy can throw the football. And as you saw and you referenced last year in Hamilton, Dane Evans came back after weeks away where he had been working with a mental health professional 
sports psychologist, just trying to get his head straight because he was having so much trouble with the pressure of it all. And he went out and he just threw bombs all over the place against the Bombers and beat them. I think that... I think every team in the league right now, other than Winnipeg so far, because so many teams have had injuries, would like to have Dane Evans because that's a guy who can play football. Definitely has had his problems, but I think he's going to be a a valuable piece for the BC Lions, who, again, as I said before, they're a really good team. That's going to be a great opportunity for the Bombers with that short week for them and the long rest for Winnipeg, and they're going to have to take advantage of it because first place in in the division is going to be you know, pretty tough to attain if they lose again. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I mean, and that defense, I mean, uh, you know, another single digit result on the weekend. Of course, they held the Bombers to six points here in Winnipeg. It's going to be going. Ted, very quickly on the way out, I always love asking this in the middle of the hottest time of the year. What's the uh, the Ted Wyman curling free agency tracker going on right now? Is there lots of moves behind the scenes right now in the world of curling? Well, I mean, I can tell you one. It was not my scoop or anything like that, but I just read about it, and, I, and it, would, it interested me a lot that uh, Darren Molding is stepping back from the competitive scene, just like his teammate Colin Hodgson did. And um, you know, he 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 did an interview and spoke very passionately. Uh, nobody loves the game more than Darren Molding, and he's a really popular figure in the game and uh, a really good player. So it's kind of it's kind of tough. I, it's just showing how tough the grind is, I think, of being a competitive curler. They basically are on the ice now. They're really going to be on the ice in full in mid-August. They're going to start playing in late August, and then their season goes right until May. It's a tough, tough grind, especially if you people who have full-time jobs or university uh, going on. And so I really do think that, um, you know, it's it, in some ways it's too bad that some of these really good players are stepping back because as I said, they're popular in the sport, but it, it's understandable as well because it takes a big toll and Darren's had a lot of injuries over his career as well. So uh, all the best to him, of course. And, you know, this has been in a, I don't know what, what's the right word, tumultuous, I guess, uh, off season for curling is of course, you know, uh, David Murdoch's coming in as the high performance director Kathy Henderson has left to go to um, to Hockey Canada. Uh, she was the CEO of, of Curling Canada. There is there's vacancy there, and uh, you know the the entire they're still not a sponsor for the Briar. Um, it's really going to be interesting to see how this season shapes up because Curling kind of needed a change, and I'm certainly not throwing those leaders under the bus, but it kind of needed to change some new voices, some new looks. And it's getting it now. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Canada progresses in the next few years with new people at the helm. Teddy, enjoy a few days away from the stadium. Thanks again for the time. Always love having you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Always great, Huss. Enjoy the weather and the lack of bugs. All right, good stuff with Teddy Drip. We'll uh, hit a little more Bombers and Jets offseason coming up with Jeff Hamilton and then some golf talk a little later on. Hey, folks. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, you need to get on down to one of six Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca. Uh, barbecue season's in full swing. Get on down to Vita Health and stock up on delicious grass-fed bison and beef steaks and wash them down with some sober carpenter beer or Zevia sodas. And hey, it's a great time to be doing day trips, picnics, and whatnot. Vita Health has grab-and-go lunch delivered fresh twice a week. And this month, get a free sapsucker drink 
with any Vita Market salad, uh, sandwich or wrap. Vita Health Fresh Market empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Wallace and Wallace is busy right now as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one, give them a buzz. They've got final ornamental welded wire chain link or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors too. Give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace and Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. How's the closet looking, guys? If you need to up your menswear game heading into the rest of summer and fall, you need to get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks at F, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties. If you're in one, talk to them about getting the guys looking great for the big day with some big savings at F Apparel. They're at 190 Smith Street downtown. You can make an appointment or find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. Well, we've got some 30s in the forecast coming up this week. You know what that means. It's a better time than ever to get on down and try some of those summer blizzard flavors at the Nick and Nikki DQ. Four locations, DQ Niverville, along with DQ St. Anne's, DQ Pull Park, and DQ Northgate. Try those amazing stack burgers there while you're at it. If you do need a DQ ice cream cake or blizzard cake for an upcoming event, get it custom made however you want it. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba for more on that. All right, let's welcome in the Hammer Bomber bye week right now. We'll get to a little CFL talk, maybe a little pucks as well. Jeff, what's up? How was your weekend, my friend? Really good, Huss. It's uh, the start of my vacation. I got this week off too, along with the uh, the blue and gold. So that's always a always a positive thing to come into. Um, yeah, just doing a whole lot of. I don't want to say nothing. Just doing a whole lot of nothing as far as work goes, but keeping my ear to the pavement and. Uh, getting a few rounds of golf in between and heading out to the lake and stuff if, like that. So it if only be garage sales were week all week long, they could just plan it around. Oh man. If I could have one wish, if I could have, <laughs> get, find me that genie, find me that genie. Uh, listen, well, we were just talking <laughs> CFL with Ted. We'll get to your thoughts on the bombers in a minute. Um, very quiet, very yeah, quiet right that. now in the national hockey league. Um, and not surprising. I mean, I listen, I still think there's plenty of conversations and things going on. We just don't hear about it as much with the majority of the hockey media off um, doing whatever they're doing after a very busy couple of months. Where, where are you at right now with this team? I mean, listen, they've made the the, uh, the L.A. trade. They do have a couple of uh, restricted free agents to sign, Logan Stanley, Campari, but I mean, guys, like these will be easy contracts to 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 be done. But mm-hmm. so much of our conversations all season long have been on these big, big changes, namely the pending potential trades of Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley and Dubois. One down, two are still here. How different do you think this situation is in your mind today at the end of July, as it was to say the end of May, with all the anticipation of what June was potentially going to bring? You're missing it by a week, Huss. Ask me the same question next week um, because I think that's probably the deadline we're looking at. 
um, for you know a Connor Hellebuck, perhaps even a, a Mark Shifley trade. You know, I, I I do think if one gets done out of the two, I'm leaning towards Hellebuck probably getting done just based on the value that you and and the return um, the Jets would want. Uh, of course, that would put them in an interesting situation as far as a retool goes. They'd have to find you know I I believe you'd have to you'd have to find another goalie anyways, but. I think you need to you need to bring in a better goaltender, but um, yeah, I just think you know we talked about this last week. I really do think the August long weekend is kind of that weekend that you know teams give their deadlines for players because the reality is is you've already been talking about these players. It's not like Connor Hellebuck and, and Mark Shifley haven't been discussed over the phone with you know various teams to various levels of of you know seriousness, but. You know, at this point in time, I mean, you have to be putting out, you know, your best offer, you know, or you're moving into next season. I just don't see why you would spend August, you know, go, kind of negotiating a deal. I mean, obviously, if someone comes in late and wants to give you the world for, for your player, then, yeah, you'll adjust. But I think at this point, you kind of know what's on the table. You know what the offers are. You know what the interest is. Now it's a matter of getting, you know, getting deals done. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go into getting deals done. And, and in particular, you know, Connor Hellebuck, for instance. I mean, much like Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think we were all pretty shocked or, or at the very least surprised um, at, how, at how that got done given the circumstances, including the fact that Pierre-Luc Dubois had to agree to a long-term deal. Where I think it's different in the situation with Connor Hellebuck is I don't think it's as easily done you know and, and and that's from two different you know two very important areas of a contract negotiation one being term and the other one being dollar I mean think about where Connor Hellebuck's head's at right now as far as trying to find a new uh, a new deal with a you know team let's say New Jersey because there's a lot of hype about New Jersey and I wouldn't be surprised if New Jersey was the team that was the last team standing in all this um, you know you got to decide how long you want the player for uh, how much it's going to cost. And if you're Connor Hellebuck, you've been hearing for the last two two months that you're going to be the highest paid goaltender, right? You've kind of bought into this narrative that whatever contract you're going to sign, you know, you're going to sign the new goalie deal, right? The new, the next big goalie contract. Whereas, you know, I think his timing couldn't be worse, right? We've talked about this for weeks now about, you know, how dangerous it is to commit long-term to a goaltender at, 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 you know, at a high AAV. And then, you know, if you look at Connor Hellebuck's work, you know, he's had some incredible years. There's no doubt about it, but is he going to have, can you really bank on him having three, four, you know, more, maybe five more great seasons at what would be top dollar if you're paying him in that, you know, what I understand to be is, you know, north of $9 million a season, somewhere between 9 and $10 million a season. I mean, are you really going to be willing to put your team, you know, in that kind of cap hell, if you will, in, in a few years' time that things don't work out? So if I'm, a new, if I'm a team like New Jersey, I almost want to get Connor Hellebuck in the building, see what he looks like for this, for this team first, and then, then talk long-term deal. I don't know if I'd be interested in, in talking about, you know, an eight-year deal, uh, seven, I guess, if they're negotiating it. Um, eight if the Jets sign it of course but uh, I just think it's a really tough situation and um, but that being said I you know that doesn't that's doesn't mean a deal can't get done that uh, you know you know you can't reach a number and that that you're happy with because I also don't think Connor Hellebuck wants to go into next season as you know that quote-unquote lame duck right you kind of want to have your future 
wrapped up. You kind of want to know where you're going. I mean, you, you don't want to be answering questions all year long about where you're going to be if you're going to sign a contract extension. I really do think that ship has sailed. Um, you know, so, you know, never say never, I guess. There's potential perhaps that Winnipeg could convince Connor Hellebuck to stick around, but it's just well, let me to me, just it's ask you, a lot of trouble this year. Let me just ask you on that quickly because, um, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I think that Hellebuck especially to a team like Winnipeg, is worth the money. Uh, the concern is obviously how long you have to extend the player for and what the guy looks like at the end of a seven- or eight-year contract. Um, and, and, I mean, that's fair, and I think the market has shown that there hasn't really been that opportunity. Like, Sorokin got eight and a quarter for eight years, and he's 26 years old. That takes him to 34. Mm-hmm. But listen, if there hasn't been the willingness of any of these other teams to step up and say, yeah, we're going to give you the money or, or the, the term you want, even if the money is not there, is there any chance that because of what Ray Petkow and Chevalier have learned about the market, that maybe those two sides re-engage and, and at least get Hellebuck the money that he has earned that I'm sure the Jets would be happy to pay as long as it's not a six, seven, eight-year deal and there's still the potential that he could be traded at some point. I mean, uh, is that more wishful thinking on my part? Or, I mean, might this situation have possibly gotten the Jets back as more of a possibility than they were when we basically believe going into the draft that he was signing with his next contract was going to be somewhere else? It's an interesting thought. So if you're Connor Hellebuck's camp right now and you're looking at a seven, eight-year deal, you're probably willing to go top-heavy. So the AAV doesn't change, but maybe the dollars out from a you know franchise perspective becomes less. Now, would that be appealing to a team? Not really. I mean, I, I don't think so. But it's an interesting thought that if you can get to a you know get if you can get that higher dollar value, like what if you could get nine million dollars a season for four? You know what I mean? But that that to me, while it might look good on the surface you know you're obviously pocketing some great money your AAV's high you know are you ushering yourself into retirement and therefore you know you'll lose out on the on, on millions of dollars in your next contract or do you bet on yourself right like I mean I, I'd be fascinated to think what a Connor Hellebuck would be interested in doing how much he believes that he can excel I mean if he thinks I got four or five six good years in me I mean what a three-year deal you know at 10 million dollars be worth doing right I, I don't know and then and then if that is a conversation or it is a possibility are you willing to do that in Winnipeg because well I'm not certainly not in Connor Hellebuck's head right now if we're talking a lot about you know obviously having young kid to you know whether he wants to live in the states all those kind of things that have kind of popped propped up doesn't a three-year deal around 10 million dollars a season again astronomically high in certain respects but the term being what it is would that not be a very interesting situation for the Winnipeg Jets to 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 you know to explore and then the then then the question is would Connor Hellebuck feel like he would want to do that in Winnipeg does he feel like he wants to quote-unquote reward Winnipeg for that because I'm sure he's looking at his current deal right now and feeling like he's underpaid so there's all these kind of things that play in that, you know, I think that factor into this decision, but it is an intriguing idea. I think if you're Connor Hellebuck, you're looking at your value right now as, as as high as it's ever going to be. You're going to want to maximize your deal 
And I just, at the end of this, I have a hard time thinking whether the AAV is upwards towards nine or down towards seven, seven and a half, that this guy's not going to be leaving these negotiations without a pack for at least seven, eight years, given his standing in the league. At well, this and that, 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 I mean, listen, here's the thing. I mean, th- there is give and take on both sides. Like, do I think he's worth nine and a half or 10? Yeah. I mean, I basically do. When you look around the league and look at what he's done right now, in seven, eight years, will he be that? I mean, I totally understand the hesitancy uh, of people looking to sign that super, that really long deal. And -hmm. I think there's going to be a give and take. If Hellebuck wants that max contract, like of the term, I think that's going to mean that the AAV takes a hit. I mean, you're talking about a number probably closer to eight than nine or nine five if you're maxing that out. However, if we're talking about the next three years or four years for Connor Hellebuck, I absolutely think he gets nine and a half or or maybe more because I don't think there'd be any teams that would look at him at, what, 30 years old and think that these next four years won't be prime years of Connor Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's a shorter deal, you basically open up. Like, say he did a three-year deal. So I guess that's this year and three more. You're right. still talking about a guy that presumably is playing at the top of his game and has the opportunity to sign another three- or four-year deal. And if you're still at the top, you're actually going to get that money at that point. I mean, there's less worry when it's a three- or four-year deal, even though we're talking about the same age years, if you've had another four years to sort of back it up. That risk-reward is fascinating to me. And I, to be honest, just from what we know of Connor Hellebuck, I think he might be more likely to be a guy that would take a bigger money, shorter-term deal because when it comes to confidence and self-confidence, I'm not sure there's many people even close to him. And I think he would believe that that will be there. Hell, it might even be better at that point. I just wonder that if it's mm-hmm. not seemingly out there right now, if there is a path to come back. Because... That would be the perfect situation, honestly, for the Jets. You give a guy a raise that he absolutely has deserved. You can afford it. You have him in the mix for the next three or four years. And now let the trade offers come. You know exactly these other teams have cost certainty. And whether it's next year or the year after, you've got a long time to sort of work with a partner that gets him to a spot where he wants to go, but he's already getting the money that he's earned. And, uh, because I think it's quite clear that even with the Jets' willingness to trade him for, from all accounts, there just hasn't been that situation that makes sense with the cost to give up on that they'd have to give up for him, and what seemingly the expectation is that a long-term extension of seven or eight years would would cost any team in the NHL. Yeah, it's certainly a, a fascinating idea, Huss. I mean, because there's other factors at play too, right? I mean, you you have to decide what you think so like say it's an eight by eight right that's 64 million dollars so if you could get a three-year deal for 30 you have to make up 56 million dollars over five more years or my math's horrible that's no, 34. not 34 not 34 million dollars over the next five years so you would have you know you'd kind of have this um i don't know it's a little confusing right because nothing's guaranteed in hockey and so it would be a fascinating thing. I mean, there's other things to consider. How how much the salary cap might go up, right? Where, uh, you know, a significant raise of the salary cap could all of a sudden 
create a little bit of a new median, if you will, for different positions, including the most important at goaltender. There's that. You know, I say this, you know, tongue firmly in cheek, but might be three or four years before Saudi Arabia gets around to the NHL and start offering him, you know, his next big deal. Who knows, right, where, where we're headed here. But, um, you know, obviously joking aside, it, it, it is an interesting one. I do think at this point in time, given where, you know, I'll go back to my other, my kind of my original point, Connor Hellebuck believes he's at the top of his game. Connor Hellebuck, you know, to your point, has about the confidence, believes he has four or five more good seasons in him. And then those other two or three seasons, you know, those won't be bad seasons to him. You know, they might not be Connor Hellebuck finishing top third in Vesna Trophy, you know, ballots, but still good hockey. And so I, you I know, I also believe, think, I firmly believe he thinks that he'll be just as good at 37 or 38. Think about that mindset in the negotiation room and think about that. You felt like you've been the best goaltender in the NHL for the last three, four, five years, three, four, for sure. And getting paid, not like the league's best goaltender. So there's, I think, you know, what's fascinating, what's unfortunate for him and it really, when you can kind of look at two other players here, it worked in Blake Wheeler's favor because Blake Wheeler signed his contract at the exact moment before teams stopped paying aging veterans for what they do. After that, boom. Now, and Mark Shifley signed his deal at the worst possible time because then it was after, it wasn't too long after that, that they started paying you for what you were going to do. Now Connor Hellebuck finds himself in a situation where, unfortunately, teams are being educated by their analytic departments, you know, by, by just history, that giving a, giving a good goaltender, paying a good goaltender for what he's done, not necessarily what he's going to do, is just no longer in vogue anymore in the, in the league. Like, teams don't do that. People write articles now that it's dumb, that... You know, especially when you consider the workload that Connor Hellebuck has had. Now, you could probably make the argument, well, we could lessen his workload and extend his, you know, his career, I guess. But he's already played a lot of games and at a very high level. And he doesn't have a big injury history, if any, for that matter. So there is. So for him, I just think it's one of those things where it's, yeah, it's, you know, you talk about the give and take in Winnipeg. That balance right now. I don't. I think is heavily in the favor of the Jets, and so for them to equal it out, I don't think we're talking three years at nine, ten million dollars. I think he's going. No, like I want to sign a long-term deal. This is. I want to sign my last contract. You know, my last big contract to take me into retirement to secure my future for my family. All those things. And while I'm sure Connor Hellebuck is confident in his abilities, I'm not a hundred percent sure. You know, I'm not speaking for his agent here, but I'm not sure his agent would be advising him to, you know, at this age, at 30 years old, to go, you know, three years at a time. Let's cash in. You've, you know, you've done what you've done in this league for as long as you have. Let's find somebody who wants to reward you for that. And I think that's the process. Well, Whether I think that's, that's now where they later. were, but that hasn't happened. I mean, that we've well, it hasn't all- happened because there's no because right now the Jets, the Jets have to get something back. So if you're another team, you might think, okay, yeah, I'd sign them, but I don't want to give away a couple futures. Like, think about, think about New Jersey. I mean, New Jersey, the, you know, guys like – the guys that the Jets would be looking for from New Jersey would be like an Alexander Holtz, a big, you know, winger, 21 years old. You know, another guy would be like a, you know, a Nolan Foote. You know what I mean? Like, 
think about like that's giving up something, right? That's giving up good future players. So I, I just think that the 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 market for teams that can bring on that contract right now at this moment is a lot thinner than it might be next summer, right? Because you might just go through a whole year where it's like, okay, enough's enough. We need to get a goaltender. We need to sign them big. You know, maybe it's not eight years, but maybe it's six years at nine point five million dollars, which is something I'm, you know, I'm sure Hellbuck would be at least consider. Um, so I just think right now they're looking at like I'm going to be good in a year from now. So if I'm on the Winnipeg Jets, so be it. Otherwise, I can test UFA next year, and I think that's the interesting part. And I would imagine that's the part that's snagging any deal right now, is that the, a deal is only to get those names I just mentioned. The only way you're getting that kind of return is if you can get him ink long term and then that's where his camp needs to figure out where you know whether it's new jersey or any other potential suitor that wants to sign him long term what they're interested in giving and if you can't reach that deal connor hellbuck's coming back to winnipeg playing out the year and then testing free agency it'd be stupid not to well i mean the the other part of it is i mean to be honest i think that the value of connor hellbuck might be higher in trade at the deadline or later on the season than it is right now I mean, I think we've seen over and over again the prices paid in and around the deadline. And and let's face it, Hellebuck on his contract at 6.16, whatever it is, mm. you know, you're talking about him at the deadline. Like, how much is really owed to Connor Hellebuck for the rest of the year? I mean, I think we're talking about, I mean, that, that in fact, I think I'll say that right now. You would get more for him right now uh, th- then than I think you would right now. The one caveat to that is that if you had a team like Dubois, like the Kings were with Dubois, that were willing to say, okay, we're willing to give you the money that you want. Here's the deal. And, and you know, they've got that. I mean, they've got him inked. He's not going to free right. agency, you know, because, I mean, the Kings paid that price for exactly that reason. They can get the deal done now, and they don't have to compete with everybody else later on. I mean, just... Does Pierre-Luc Dubois, I mean, it's interesting that he made the decision that he did right now because are we sure that he wouldn't be getting more next year as a completely unrestricted free agent with a number of teams interested in? He obviously oh, thought that I this mean, was if he had a team. monster season, if he for some reason tucked 40 goals next year and had a 100-point season, he's absolutely doing that. But I also think he's looking at his opportunity in Winnipeg, probably the makeup there and wanting to change the scenery, and there's just some things that outweigh you know, more dollars and cents. You're talking about Dubois or, or Hellebuck? Dubois, Dubois. Like, I mean, I, I think, you know, I just think for him, he just wanted some certainty in his career, right? I think this has been an uncertain couple of years for him. You could argue ever since he arrived in Winnipeg after that tough year. I just, I think different things matter to different people. And it's not always dollars, but obviously when you're dealing with your agent, trying to maximize your, your you know, your income, um, you, you know, which is much different, right? When you compare Connor Hellbuck, he's striking while the iron's seemingly hot, where he's never been better. Um, but again, back to my original point, he finds himself in a precarious situation where teams are no longer gambling on 30-year-old goaltenders for, you know, 31 by the time he signs, in, you know, his new, his new deal sets in for six, seven, eight years. They'll pay a 23-year-old centerman who hasn't quite hit that point-per-game threshold but brings, you know, so much to the game. I mean, there's obviously some knocks against Pierre-Luc Dubois as well, but such a unique player in his size and abilities that you're willing to pay that much money for that long because you know when he's out of this, he's still going to be a good player. And at the very least, you're going to get 
a good player for that time, even if it doesn't, you know, even if he's not living up to a, a you know, a large contract, he's still going to be good. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I, I uh, agree uh, with that wholeheartedly. I mean, there is the risk. I mean, what happens if the guy gets hurt? What happens if he does have an off year? I mean, I still think about John Klingberg turning down, what was it, 8.75 or 8.8 with Dallas, thinking that he was going to do better. He signed a one-year deal in Anaheim for seven. Now he's on a one-year deal in Toronto for four. Mm-hmm. Like, there is at some point, and this is why I always said that if the Jets showed up, and this, again, these were conversations mid-last season before we sort of knew where his, what we believed to be his intentions were. You know, if the Jets showed up to Connor Hellebuck, you're a franchise player, here's the Carey Price deal. If I was his agent and I would be, I would tell him, here's a pen, sign it. I mean, you're set for life and you've got all this. If that isn't the case, and here's the thing, if you sign a three-year deal at 9.5 or $10 million, you're still getting 30 mil for 10 years. Like at a certain point, it's like a lot of money. you are set for life. You're not worrying about most things on your family. And, and at that point, then you're like, okay. Because he said a million times, what he really wants to do is win. He wants to be part of a championship team. He wants to win a Stanley Cup. In a lot of cases, sometimes you got to take less money if you really want to be a part of that. It's very difficult to be a $10 million player. Great point. Well, history's told us. I mean, there's just, there isn't that many guys that have had the monster, monster contract. I mean, Jack Eichel was this year, but I mean, again, it was a very unique team that was about as well-balanced and it just wasn't balanced payment-wise and Jack Eichel had the massive contract that was signed by Buffalo. But I am fascinated by, you know, by Hellebuck's situation because I still do think that the Jets would be in their best interest to keep him around longer if they could. And if you could get him on some sort of a deal, even if you have a bit of a conversation saying... You know, we're open to trading you. It'll be good. If it's good for both of us, it makes a lot of sense. But this way, you're guaranteed the money that you have earned. You're not risking anything over the course of this year and see where it goes. But fascinating, I mean, fascinating possibility, Huss. Fascinating possibility. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, maybe this is a little wishful thinking because, uh, I mean, especially without seeing any really good deal for the Winnipeg Jets right now that's even made sense for them to really go down that road. I mean, I do worry about this season because I think Hellebuck is a stud. I think he comes out and continues to play well. I think he continues to help this organization win hockey games and be competitive. I mean, if you get to February and the team's playing well and you're overachieving a little bit, how do you pull the trigger on trading a guy like that, even with a big, big you know, um, haul coming back, which I'm sure would be there, I mean, that's very, very difficult to do, especially to the guys that have been working their asses off for 55, 60 games throughout the year to get to that point. And Shifley, in some ways, is a similar situation. Like, if this team comes together, if they do well, it makes it a hell of a lot harder to get that value for two assets that you won't get anything for if you pass that date. That's a real catch-22, I think, for everybody involved. I think it's, a, I think it's an easy answer. You don't trade them because you don't keep them to think that you're going to do well only to trade them, you know, in the final stretch. So I think, you know, and again, it goes back to our last conversation. We've been talking about this for, you know, everyone's been talking about this for weeks. It's like, at what point does, you know, well, take your phrase from, from previous interviews, like you're not trading Connor Hallowick for 50, 60 cents on the dollar. So if that's what you're getting in return, 
then you're not doing it because the 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 reality is is it might not you you're not going to make many friends with the fans if you lose these guys for nothing but you have to start weighing the importance of getting back into the playoffs getting those feelings back in the you know in the in the in the hockey community people who want to support the jets to see you know buy season tickets want to see a winner all these things that's going to that could quite possibly and i would argue you know clearly is considering these guys are both still here and haven't been traded that there's a real value to that that is exceeding whatever your you know whatever trade talks that you've been you've been having with other teams now the other thing in this and like i mentioned you know like you know i throw guys out there like because you do you know i've talked to guys i don't know if these are the exact players but these are the kind of players that the jets would be interested in is like an alexander holtz like a cal you know like a like a um you know a nolan foot like these are guys that like are on the prep precipice of starting their careers and and taking off a year from now they might be good you know what I mean? Like Mercer, you know, like is a prime example. The Jets were in conversations with him last summer. What are the odds that Mercer's going to leave the Devils? Zero. Now well, if he, he's, they're going to have to trade him. I mean, well, that's, what, they, that's what I mean. He's not oh, like that's just because he scored 29 goals. And that, yeah. But what I'm saying is the conversations about Dawson Mercer a year ago are significantly different than the conversations about him today. So if you're identifying players on other teams who you think are going to take off, you need to make that move now because by the trade de- trade deadline, those guys can be solidified in their top six, and you're sitting there kicking yourself like you would about Mercer because he was definitely a guy on the Jets' radar who was in conversations, talks, right? But then then he goes tucks twenty nine Gs, and guess what? They're not even picking up your phone calls anymore, and they're and they're and they're wiping the sweat from their brow. Thankfully, they didn't ditch this guy out, you know, and not. You know, and and so if you have a, and the Jets have a good scouting staff, they put to work all season long. If they're identifying young players who they like, you don't do it at trade deadline. You do it now. And I I think in this situation, in the Hellbucks in particular situation, I don't think this is about not wanting to get rid of, you know, not wanting to trade Connor Hellbuck. I think this is all about dollars and cents and signing an extension because. I, I just can't see any other holdup, especially. And I'm not saying, you know, I am, I guess, speaking specifically to the, you know, a potential trade with New Jersey. But what I'm saying is, is in any deal that the Jets have have reached, right? Because you reach the agreement of the trade, and then it falls on whether or not it's cleared by both sides. And if it's cleared by both sides, it goes down to a contract conversation between Hellbuck and his potentially his future team. And if that can't get worked out, the trade doesn't get done. Obviously. So I think that's the fascinating part right now. And I think this week is going to be very, very interesting because I don't think it's a, for a lack of trying. Like, I, you know, I think this team is aware that, you know, while, you know, things I mentioned before, the value of a playoff run potentially and yada, yada, nothing is guaranteed and you need to do what's best for your team, you know, short-term, long-term, in between. And I think at this point, if you can get a haul that you like for Connor Hellebuck, it becomes a lot easier keeping maybe a Mark Shifley and losing him for nothing than it would be having two marquee guys and them both, you know, riding the wave to free agency a year from now. Yeah, no, that is fair. Tikona Paul, Heli for Nemec in the third. Nemec would be wonderful. And hey, Jersey doesn't even need to change the roster from last year. Mm-hmm. Tough to jump off a number two overall pick before even getting him in the uh, getting him in the league right now. Um, well, I, I'm I'm interested. You said this week because I I don't know I. Guess I didn't really think that there's a big difference between right now and mid-August, and even getting closer to 
training camp just because not a lot really changes over the course of uh, that time. But the bottom line is they, you, we've known that they've been open to the discussions of making this move. And I think a big part of that was in signing Loren Brassois. We can talk all we want about, hey, these guys work really well together and stuff like that, but don't think for a second that LB wasn't coming back here realizing that, okay, if this happens, I have uh, I have a yeah. golden where's, opportunity where, where's my to buddy be a Hellbuck starting goaltender. Where's my on the trade date list again? Where is, yeah. he? Where is yeah. he on that list? Yeah. So let me just let me check notes. Okay, oh, he's going to – people are saying he's definitely going to get traded. Okay, interesting. Yeah, no, I want to be his backup. <laughs> um, Hammer, just before we go, uh, off week for the Bombers. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone looking forward to that game August 3rd uh, at um, uh, at the uh, uh, IG Field. BC's got another game in Edmonton on Saturday, then a short week on Thursday, and now Vernon Adams is out, albeit Dane Evans looked very, very good, and we all remember what Dane Evans did with the Ticats to the Bombers last year as a member of the, uh, as the uh, quarterback in, uh, in Hamilton. Um, it, listen, the West does seem like a two-horse race. The East seems to be the Argos and everybody else. But what do you make of these next 10 days and what's at stake for both the Lions and the Bombers getting ready to, I mean, you can't have any excuses. You get a week off, you get a long practice week. I just laid out what BC is going up against. Um, this really is going to be a huge, huge game, which will determine just how much the BC Lions have caught up to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, I don't think there's any ever excuses for the Bombers, you know, uh, which is, you know, for right or wrong, whatever, but especially this, this, you know, this week nine matchup, you have the week off, as you mentioned, a lot of guys, you know, some guys go home, um, you know, obviously Adam Big Hill is, you know, celebrating his, his late father. There's other people who go home who have families that just haven't seen them, but a lot of guys stick around, right? It's, it's definitely not business as usual because you're not going through the exhaustive, um, you know, process of, of, preparing for an opponent right and there's all and you know it's down to a science all the days are very very long so you get that mental break to a certain degree but there's going to be a ton of guys in the city man maybe get maybe get out to the lake for a couple days whatever rent a cabin or something like that but these guys are going to be working out getting ready for the week because they got three bye weeks um and they, they they should be prepared i mean they also should be angry right i mean that they got their they didn't just get beat they got their asses kicked against the bc lions you know almost to the point where it looked like they had their playbook um, so, you know, there's obviously a lot of pride with this team. Then there's the West, right? If you, if your plan and goal, which clearly is your plan and your goal is to win the West, host that, you know, ho- that, uh, that, uh, that division final at, at IG field, you need to create some room between you and the lions, not to mention the season series is up for grabs. So if they win the season series, that just makes your pursuit of first place even, even more important so or more difficult sorry so yeah absolutely there's nothing short of 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 uh motivation in in this one and again i mean these guys were embarrassed and you know they responded against edmonton this week you know took them a little bit but they responded you know from the loss uh the stunning loss to ottawa which you clearly have are giving no respect to uh you know in that east division which is which is all of a sudden becoming quietly competitive um but yeah i i mean the bombers they Look, they haven't had a great – they've had a good season. They're 5-2. and two. They haven't had a couple of great games. This is an opportunity to put that behind them. You know, they're at IG Field. It's not like you got to go to BC Place and the whole travel and time change and whatever. You're inviting them to your house. They were chirping you days after the game on social media 
celebrating, saying that they can walk into your house and do what they want. As far as I'm concerned, if you don't get the engines revving from the opening kickoff, you don't deserve to win. And I think there's going to be a, you know, that aside, I think there's going to be a very motivated Bombers team to uh, deliver deliver some truth, if you will, of, of where the Grey Cup goes through, and that's Winnipeg. Well, listen, I mean, they are going to have to deal with that BC defense who, I mean, we saw the way they ate up the Bombers here, giving up six points, another single-digit uh, effort by their opponents on the weekend, albeit with a backup quarterback. Um, and again, you know, with everything else that sort of, you know, has conspired at least to give the uh, the Bombers a bit of a leg up as far as preparation, it's all going to be done on the field. And Uh, I mean, to me, I guess the biggest question is, because it's been weird, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the offensive line, and then in the fourth quarter of the Calgary game, they go for 90-whatever yards and 937 and, you know, win the game. They did the same thing against the Elks in the last game, you know, with that Brady Oliveira-led drive, uh, 90-some yards for a touchdown that basically put it out of reach, Um, which is great to do in the fourth quarter, uh, it certainly didn't happen against the Ottawa Red Blacks, um, and it hadn't happened earlier in the season. And um, like like when I'm going into that game, that is going to be the place where I look for first to see are things different because mm-hmm. the the offensive line has been the foundation for the Bombers' success for so many years, and it hadn't been dominating the way it had before, and it got dominated for 60 minutes in that game. And if that doesn't change, Jeff, I don't care – how short the rest week is, who played the week before, it's going to be very hard to beat that football team if the Bomber offense doesn't look significantly different and Zach Caleros doesn't spend half the game on his ass. Yeah, I don't know if you mentioned it, but yeah, that was the game with, what, a season-high seven sacks against? I can't remember yeah. the last time Caleros had that many sacks oh. for through half a season in some cases, or at least a quarter of a season. I, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, it's an interesting conversation because those guys, you know, you look at three guys on that line who have been arguably the best at their position for a few years. And, you know, Jamarcus Hardrick and, of course, Stanley Bryan on the tackles and, and Patrick Newfeld as, as, the, as the right guard. But, you know, they are getting older and there's going to eventually be a regression. I mean, they can't play, you know all-star level football their entire lives and are we seeing some of that yeah we're probably seeing a bit you know a few cracks and I think that's the scary part here is whether it's the offensive line or the offense in general I mean ever since those first two games so the last five games I mean the the offense has has been good at you know and certainly good for stretches you mentioned how they were able to you know um, run out that fourth quarter against the Elks which mind you they had a league worst rush deep or uh, run defense at averaging 145 yards a game against so it wasn't like that line hasn't been you know broken through in the past so it was a bit surprising they didn't they didn't get you know break that earlier in the game but um you know but the the offense has not been ticking the way that I think a lot of people expect them to be playing and that's scary to still pull out wins I mean Kenny Lawler is obviously a massive addition to that he group. looked good he, he looked good look on good. Thursday but, and there's also yeah, totally and there's also there's also the fact that teams, while it's always, always, always a game plan to get after the quarterback. You, you will never talk to a defensive tackle or def- defensive end and ask them what the key to, to winning the game is. And, they're, you know, they're going to tell you, get to the quarterback, get to the quarterback. So it's not like that hasn't been the game plan in the past. I just think they're doing more to do a couple different things. And Gary Peters from the BC Lions said this the day before the game when I was chatting with him. I said, what's the key to stopping Zach Claris or containing him, right? You know he's going to get his shots. You know he's going to, you know, 
whatever. We've seen, you know, and they, and they did just that. But he said the most important part with him is to keep him in the pocket. He can still do damage in the pocket, but it's when, it's when Zach gets outside of the pocket, starts going rogue, starts doing audible plays. The relationships that, that Zach has with his receivers when he's scrambling is second to none in this league. You know, guys like Drew Wojtarski make a living out of it. Those two guys are on the exact same page. So when Zach scrambles, everyone knows where they're going, where they need to be. And that's what's so impressive about this offense. I don't think it's like most offenses around the CFL. And you've heard it from players that have come from other teams and talk about it. You need to learn every position. So you need to know. It's like you need to be an incredibly smart football player. So that's why when Zach scrambles, the what the IQ of, the, of, of his teammates and, and what they're trying to achieve and where they're supposed to go is second to none in the league. That's why he has such a high completion rate. So they did just that. They kept him in the pocket. But the other thing is, is getting to him. And I don't know if it's just more liberties this year, but Zach, or a, you know, a, a, a thinner O-line, if you will, if there's more holes there. But even when he's not getting sacked, he's getting hit a lot more. And I know it's something that the Bombers are obviously – you know, I don't know if they would use the words concern because they don't add negatives to their conversations, but if you got them into a, a quiet room and got them to admit, absolutely they would be concerned on how much contact Zach Kolaris is, is, has been taking this season, especially when you consider what's happened to, what, two-thirds of the teams now in the league yeah. losing their starting quarterbacks? I mean, the Bombers are not immune to that. Zach's one hit away from the, the Bombers being in a very, very difficult situation, no matter how much you might like Drew Brown. So, um, and Drew Brown's a good quarterback. He's just an unproven quarterback. So I think there is an added emphasis there. I think there is a bit of, you know, a bit of some game planning, sending more players, just getting more, you know, tape on Zach. I know there's plenty of tape before this, so it's kind of a loose argument, but I just think there's an added emphasis to get on him and whether that's, that's coming at the exact same time of a slower O-line or, you know, maybe a creakier one. Um, you know, that's probably leading to a bit more contact. But this is still a very good team. This is still a very good offense. We've seen, seen over the last five games as the offense has sputtered, this is also a really good defense. You know, this is a, a team that um, can come up big, can bend, not break. All those all those characteristics we've seen from, you know, that, that group over the last three years as the Bombers have made the Grey Cup. So, you know, to me, I'm not overly concerned. I do think, though, this year is showing us very early that planning for the future needs to needs to happen. You know, like I think I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago that there's a reason why Wade Miller really, really wanted the 2024 Great Cup because years matter. So that two year window versus one year window here is gonna. I think you're gonna see a much different team. But I also see what I've seen this year. You know, as much as we've seen those bad efforts against BC and, you know, obviously the last couple minutes against against Ottawa, this is a team that's still very good, still very smart, still very prepared. And those are all the characteristics that you need in a team. And right now, age might be a factor. I just don't think it's a huge concern right now. Hammer, great chat as always. Uh, may your uh, putts be dropping and you're hitting them straight. Enjoy a little week off and uh, certainly look forward to uh, your coverage on the Bombers before the big game next Thursday or a week Thursday, August 3rd at IG Field when the Lions are back. Have a great one, dude, and enjoy the weather. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on and uh, shout out to the uh, commenters. You guys know you make the show. We'll talk soon. Right on. Uh, Bomber reports on WST, always brought to you by our friends at Princess Auto, home of the Princess Auto tailgate zone. 
two hours before every Blue Bomber game. And of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assort of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road and Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, our friends at Consolidated Supply have a lot going on right now as this is prime time for a lot of the things that they do is they're the leaders in irrigation systems. If you've got irrigation needs, use the uh, people that the golf course industry uses. That, of course, is Consolidated Supply. Artificial turf. Want that dream putting green in the backyard? Joe and the gang can help you out. And, of course, golf carts as well as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. And some other great options for your property, including hot tubs, amazing outdoor kitchens as well. And, of course, they all the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at the showroom. Open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East. Or find out more online at cte.ca. All right, we got to wait till Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. for Canada to take on Ireland in that huge match at the Women's World Cup. But a number of people are asking, where can we find the Canada jerseys? Well, your Canada soccer headquarters is at Royal Sports. Those sweet new jerseys our women are wearing, available right now. Tons of Canada gear, hats, jerseys, hoodies, jackets, trackers, more. It's all there for you, along with tons of bomber gear. The best selection of Jets merch around. And the rest of the National Hockey League and, of course, NFL season coming up. And, of course, as we enjoy beautiful weather right now, all sorts of great summer activities including tennis, disc golf, and bikes as well. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina, for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And uh, hey, Jays are back tonight. A little bit of a late one. But if you're looking to uh, get together at the best place to watch the big game, you know what's Boston Pizza. Enjoy ice cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And don't forget about happy hour every day between 3 and 6 and 9 to 12 in the bar. Staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. Now, we will touch on, I guess I did briefly touch on, our golf report for Breezy Bend, which was Brian Harmon running away with the Open Championship and becoming the champion golfer of the year, as they like to say, and filling a few pints in the Claret Jug. It was a masterful performance. He's the best putter. He was the most accurate. And no one else really was close. Um, you know, he had a incredible dames of who's who's at seven under with John Rahm and Rory McElroy and Tom Kim, six under as well. But then there was Harmon Six shots clear of the field. He truly was the best guy out there and deserved it at anywhere from 100 or 120 to 1. But while Brian Harmon was winning the Claret Jug, a young Winnipeg native was making a little bit of Manitoba golf history in winning his third consecutive Manitoba Amateur Champion becoming only the third golfer ever to do that, a golfer in the 30s. The legendary Todd Fanning, who's still able to play with the kids these days, did that in the 90s. And now Braxton Kuntz went back to back to back. A very special win for the Breezy native. 
He, of course, is the uh, defending Manitoba golfer of the year, having won the uh, junior and the am in the past. But uh, great to catch up right now with Brandon Kuntz coming off his historic win yesterday out at Oak Island. We welcome in the pride of Breezy Bend, Braxton Kuntz, to the program. Braxton, congratulations. Another Manitoba Amateur Championship. Uh, God, that's got to sound good. Oh, it does. Thanks again for having me on. And, yeah, I'm happy with how I played, but heck heck of a golf tournament. Really stressful. It's uh, And, I mean, man, it certainly did come right down to the end. I mean, uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll get you in a second to kind of compare some of the wins that you've had before. But uh, overall, uh, I mean, we know how much talent there is in Manitoba, and you're a perfect example of that right now. Um, tell us about the win this week over the last three days and uh, you know, what you had to do to, uh, you know, be that one once again raising the uh, trophy on the 18th green. I knew it was going to be a tight tournament going into it. You know, the golf course was playing under great conditions in perfect shape um, and not a lot of wins. So I knew there's a lot of guys that could shoot some low scores. Uh, but I knew if I could just keep myself in the mix, then I'd, I'd have a chance. So I think that's what I did all three days. I kind of kept myself. I think I had the lead for for one shot every day, actually. So just sticking around and trying to see if something will happen. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of guys that can go out there and win. So I'm happy to come out on top. Well, and I mean, it was really tight. I mean, you looked at that leaderboard heading into the final day, and it really didn't change very much over the course of the first three. I mean, a lot of talent right at the top, and um, you were there. Tell us about that final round, though. How did it go for you? And uh, I mean, did it take right till the final putt on 18 to uh, know that you had it in the bag? Oh, it definitely did. I mean, going into the day, I knew there was a good seven, eight guys that could win this tournament. Anyone can have a good day, and they're within a couple shots of the lead. So I think my main focus was just to stay stay on my own game, try and execute, and if things work out, maybe I'll have a lead going into the final few, and that's what happened. You know, I was tight with Ryan the whole round. I think going into the, the final nine holes, we were tied, and I knew that he was he was one behind me going into the last hole, and I heard the cheer on the 18th green, so kind of assumed he made a birdie. Um, so I knew I was going to have to finish off strong, but you know, I, I really didn't have a, a calm moment until that putt finally went in on, on the last green. I, I, what's it like knowing that you got to make a birdie to win a tournament? Um, you know, This isn't just a matter of holding a lead. I mean, you really, in some ways, had to go get it as well, even on the final tournament, or final hole of the entire tourney. Exactly. I mean, I couldn't couldn't take my foot off the gas for any hole there. So um, fortunately, hole nine being a par five and fairly wide open, I didn't have as much pressure off the tee or on the approach. But, you know, when the nerves are going and you're shaking a little bit around the green and you got to have that touch, it's a little bit harder and those putts feel a little longer. Hole looks a little smaller, but uh, I think just being in those situations for a few times now, I'm, a, I'm more used to it and it's a great learning experience. So I'm happy I could close it out the way I did. Well, I wanted to ask him, and you're a former junior champion of Manitoba, and now this is your third amateur. How much did the victories that you've had in the past help you with uh, this one? Because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, this was the tightest and probably most competitive one that you've had even of the last two wins. Definitely. I know back when I won my first AM two years ago, it was kind of a two-horse race at that point. Me and Ryan Scholdes were really tight, so... That was also a bit of a battle, and it came down to the last putt as well. But this has definitely been one of the the tightest am that I've been in, and with so many guys having the opportunity to win it, it's it really comes down to who can uh, you know make the right shots at the right times. And yeah, golf is stressful, especially when there's so many guys that can win. 
um, you know, you've had this, uh, you know, incredible run here in Manitoba. And, you know, you do make history being only the third Manitoban ever to win the amateur three times in a row. What I imagine was pretty special, and this just speaks to the tournament itself, is that Todd Fanning, who was the last to accomplish that in the 90s, I believe, was right there behind you guys in the final round of the tournament. He's a heck of a golfer. I mean, it's been, yeah, 30 years since he went through the three-peat, but he's still right up there competing with uh, some college guys nowadays. So it just shows how good of a golfer he still is and, and has been for a long time now. Braxton Koontz from uh, Breezy Bend is the now three-time Manitoba amateur champion of going back-to-back-to-back yesterday at Oak Island. Braxton, tell us a little bit. I mean, you're a Breezy Bend member. I know I was there yesterday playing late in the afternoon. There's a lot of people that were talking about it. Very proud. Tell us a little bit about your background and uh, the golfing journey uh, just as a junior, and then we'll talk about what's happening with you south of the border this year, changing colleges. Right. So I've been golfing pretty much as early as I could walk since I was three years old. My dad gave me a little plastic cup club that I'd swing around the yard, but I've been playing tournaments since I was five or six. And just all the experience I've had playing in a lot of tournaments as a junior, I think has helped me. And I've, I've tried to work hard at it since I was really young and it's paid off, paid off a lot. Golf's a sport where you can't really take a day off and hard work definitely provides results. So I'm, I'm proud of the way that I've been able to improve over the last few years. And, uh, you know, I've been a member of Breezy now for 10 or 11 years. So it's really been my whole life that I've been able to know a lot of people around there, get to know Corey, Chris, everyone that uh, has ties there. And they've done a great job at supporting me. And I really appreciate it. It's a great golf course. And they've well, done a lot, of, a lot of impressive changes, too. Well, for sure. I mean, I was just playing last night. Those new greens opening this week. People are pretty fired up for that. Mark Stone's bringing the cup back this week. Uh, you started off a very big week for Breezy Bend with that win yesterday. And just, you know, speaking of that, tonight, and anyone that's involved in golf in Manitoba knows about the uh, the history of the Monday Putter League. Big matchup between Breezy and Elmhurst going at it today. But I, and I, I bring that up just because I would imagine that some of your success is playing so much in a league like that as well as with guys on your team that, you know, play at such a consistently uh, high level. How much is that just the daily opportunities playing at a course like that with a number of other top players done uh, for your seasons when you're back at home? Exactly. I mean, iron sharpens iron. So to be able to play with these guys even growing up and, you know, put some money on the line, get the nerves going again. It, it keeps you sharp for those situations where you might have the, you know, the one shot lead like I did in the amp. So just being able to grow around these guys that have been top players for years now and um, play with them day after day, it's, it's definitely helped my golf game a lot. And hey, we've got a big match tonight. So we're going to bring our A game and hopefully come out on top. Everyone will be hoping that uh, exactly, you know, you're in good form. We know that that's for sure. Um, Braxton Koontz is with us now, Braxton, um, you mentioned, you know, being a Winnipeg guy growing up here, um, you know, as you continue to, uh, you know, pursue golf, um, how challenging has it been playing here in Canada? I mean, there's a ton of golf courses. Unfortunately, they're just not open long enough every year uh, or you know, every year. How has that, um, um, I don't want to say challenged you, but um, what have you had to do maybe to give yourselves more opportunities to uh, get to where you are right now? 
Right. Well, it definitely has been a challenge, especially in Manitoba, right? We got courses open for maybe six months a year. So I think just being in school back in grade 11, grade 12, and, and wanting to improve as much as I could before I went away to college, it's just taking advantage of the good days that you have and being excited to get out there when the course is open and staying at the course right until it closes in October. So, you know, it's a lot different than those um, college golfers in the Southern states that have played year round their entire life. But uh, I've been fortunate to, you know, I live really close to the golf dome and I go to breezy in the winter as well to use the simulators. So even when the courses are closed, I can still work on my game and, and sharpen it. But yeah, even going to college the last couple of years in, in South Louisiana, I've been able to play all winter and it's, it's definitely helped my golf game. Um, so I'm happy to see how that's, that's improved as well, but yeah, golfing year round, it, it is an advantage, but I can't make any excuses. Well, listen, uh, no excuses necessary with the third straight amateur championship. Tell us quickly about, uh, you know, you were at Nichols State in Louisiana. What was that like? And then uh, tell us about entering the transfer portal and uh, where you're going to be uh, teeing it up this year. Right. So, uh, yeah, I committed to Nichols back when I was in grade 11. Uh, never been to Louisiana, never visited the campus, so I didn't really know what to expect going into it. Um, so it was a big eye opener, you know, South Louisiana, just with the Cajun culture and, and climate and everything, it was a heck of a change. Um, but the guys were super nice. Couldn't have asked for a better team of guys to compete with and compete against as well. But uh, overall, it was a great experience, something that I'll never forget. And I'm excited what I have ahead of me, too, up in Ball State, uh, Ball State University in, in Indiana. So another great group of guys, super nice coach and a, a really competitive schedule. So. We'll see how that goes, but I'm excited to enjoy these couple more years of eligibility that I have. And then I guess just being in the transfer portal as well, it was a bit of a stressful time. I wasn't back at university in the fall, so I had to just stick around at home and had a couple other things going on, but I thought that was a good opportunity to try and, and shake things up with uh, with a new college. So I talked with a lot of schools over the winter. I had a couple coaches, you know, Derek Ingram, the Gulf Canada head coach, helped me out with that. So to be able to commit to a school like Ball State, it's it's uh, an achievement that I'm really happy of, and I'm excited to see what our team can accomplish in the next next few years. We look pretty 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 strong. What what was it about uh, Ball State that ended up being uh, being uh, your choice? Well, being in the in the MAC conference, it's a it's a conference with a lot of Canadian Canadian golfers, and you know Kent State being one of the the big feeder schools for Canadian students. Um, you know, it's a conference I think we can compete in and also have a chance of winning. You know, we came runner up this last season by just a couple strokes, so we're really close to getting to that NCAA regional and. You know, just talking with the coach a couple times, just a super friendly guy, someone who really cares about his team, cares about his players, and, you know, is dedicated to making them as, as good as they can be. So um, all those things being combined, you know, I met the guys on my way back from college in the spring. So a group of guys that get along really well, uh, they bond, they compete, and, you know, it, it's going to be a great environment, I think, for me to be in. So um, just looking for, you know, a school environment that I think I'll thrive in the most. This is definitely at the top of my list. Uh, yeah, and a little closer to home as well. Uh, that's for sure. Well, I just have to ask you, like, what? How much of a culture shock was your first week or so down and uh, Nichols in uh, Southwest Louisiana? Oh man, I didn't know what anyone was saying for the first couple months. Like some of the it's accents like those guys language. got down there, it is a different language. They just slur it all together. So it took me a while, but over time, your brain trains itself to 
to kind of eliminate the accent. So I almost thought they were talking normal by the time I left. But man, those first couple of months, just the diet and the way people talk and just the humidity, man, it was it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Braxton Coots is with us uh, now. You and the Breezy Ben fellows will be taking on Elmhurst in the Big Monday Putter uh, Championship tonight. What is the uh, What's the rest of the golf season like for you now that you've uh, won the big one? I'm sure that was one of your main goals this off season or this season. Yeah, I got two two tournaments left before I head back to college. You know, I got invited to the Canadian Amateur, so I'm happy to get a spot in that. I'll be trying to represent my province in that as best as I can, and I'll be leaving in about ten days or so for the Pulpit Club out in uh, Ontario. So it's a beautiful golf course. Super good competition. I'm, I'm happy to be competing in that. And then about 10 days after I get back, I'll be in the Manitoba Open. So it's my second time being able to play in that. Another great event, great competition. And I think it'll be a great learning experience to prepare me for when I when I try and turn pro after college. But yeah, my goal is to, to play solid in those and then back off to college right after. Well, listen, uh, I can tell you there was a lot of lot of happy folks out on the west side there at Breezy when uh, the news came through that you wanted at Oak Island. <laughs> hey, just quickly, for people that have never played Oak Island or heard of it, I mean, you hadn't played it before a couple weeks ago. What did you think of that golf course? I think it's one of the hidden gems of this entire province that not a lot of people have played. Well, I, th I think you're exactly right. I mean, if you have the chance to go out there and, and play the course, I would definitely do it. It was probably one of the best condition courses I've seen in Manitoba. The fairways were perfect. The greens were rolling super true. I was really impressed with what the, the ground screw and staff were able to do there. So, yeah, if, if anyone gets the chance to go out there and play, I'd, I'd take advantage of it. Yeah, a little ways past Brandon and then uh, just a little south, but uh, definitely worth the drive. And uh, it was cool to see such an important championship held at a course that – and was really made for things like that. Braxton, listen, uh, I'll let you uh, get out. I know you're on your way to Selkirk with the fellas to uh, go at it in the Monday putter final. Congratulations on that. <laughs> but again, back to back to back. It really is a historic run. And uh, we'll wish you a ton of luck at the Canadian Am. And then uh, keep an eye on you uh, teeing it up with the pros at the Manitoba Open in a few weeks before I head down to Ball State. Congratulations again, and thanks for jumping on with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk today. Thanks, guys. I was really happy to be on here. Hope you guys have a great day. There it is. You're not auto court. Manitoba amateur champion back to back to back. Braxton Kuntz of, uh, of Breezy. And yeah, for any of you on the local golf scene, big one tonight in Selkirk. The uh, championship of that Monday putter league, which has some great, great golfers in it. Elmhurst and Breezy going at it again up in Selkirk. Uh, good luck to everyone participating in that. And we'll keep tabs on uh, Braxton at the Canadian Amateur. And, of course, uh, winning the event yesterday gets a chance to play in the Manitoba Open. Maybe he'll be playing alongside Morgan Barron. I guess we'll find out in a few weeks. Um, all right, we got to get to uh, some cool bet lines. And the track is back. Head to Assiniboia Downs in just a minute. Big cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. I'm looking forward to having a Little Brown Jug or two with many of you. On Wednesday at the Gold Eye game, of course, Little Brown Jug is in the ballpark, both generic and 1919 throughout the park. And uh, if we're lucky, we'll get a few more LBJ taps over at Craft Beer Corner. Um, again, Little Brown Jug, beautiful patio that they built last summer. If you haven't been out there, check them out on William Avenue. You can try all the great beers there. And uh, if you're not able to make it downtown, you can pick up Little Brown Jug wherever they sell great beer. 
Um, as I mentioned, Goldeye's game tomorrow, or sorry, Wednesday, but they are back tomorrow. Uh, Ukrainian night tomorrow, our WST night on Wednesday, Oktoberfest in July coming up this week, and uh, the uh, the libraries event, um, which they've got a nice giveaway on Sunday for the family. So get to goldeyes.com for all of your information on this big homestand coming up. And if you didn't get tickets with us, but you do want to join as a last-minute attendee, let's get a ticket somewhere on the left field line. I think we're in Section C or D, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing there. We'll probably kind of post up at Craft Beer Corner right off the bat and greet everyone and uh, have a great time at the ballpark. Um, a big shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake as well. Countdown is on. couple weeks. we heading back up for what's always my favorite three or four days of the year. If you're looking for a world-class fly-in fishing option where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. And the Aikens experience certainly does include tons of world-class fishing, but what makes it different from pretty much every other lodge is the incredible hospitality of the incredible Aikens team. Find out more today and get booking for 2024 online at akinslake.com. All right, Remo, we got to get to... Uh, oh, by the way, I do have a uh, congratulations to win, uh, to, to send out, speaking of um, of golf. Shout out to Evan Cox, who won the WST DraftKings contest. And as part of that, shout out to our friend Eric Johnson from TaylorMade. Got Evan a uh, nice TaylorMade hat and some balls as a bit of a bonus for winning our final major of the year. Sad that the majors are over. We'll have the FedEx Cup coming up, and of course the Ryder Cup in uh, Italy coming up in September, so it's not entirely done, but a bit of an anticlimactic end to major season yesterday with Brian Harmon running away from it. Um, but Remo, let's get to the cool bet lines for today. By the way, shout out to everyone that rode with me and Dusty on our lock shop partner parlay for the CFL this week. Nice little plus 725 banger that cashed last night with Ottawa covering the four and a half. We had the under 50 and a half in the Toronto Hamilton game. We had BC minus nine and a half, which was good because they won by 10. And then Ottawa plus four. So that was a nice one. We'll get back in the lock shop tomorrow. Uh, as far as uh, this week, uh, golf 3M open uh, odds are already up right now. But let's get to the Major League Baseball because the Blue Jays are back in action tonight. And uh, who do we got on the mound tonight? We've got Jose Barrios versus Michael Grove. And the Blue Jays, a plus 102 underdog against the Dodgers, who are minus 115. A um, bunch of other games, including the AL East leading Orioles in Philadelphia to take on the Phillies. And the Mariners coming off that big series, winning a series against the uh, the Blue Jays, are in the Twin Cities to take on the Twins. Uh, early lines for this week in the Canadian Football League are up. No bombers. What do we have here, though? We got a Thursday night game between Hamilton and Ottawa. Dustin Crumbs made the bookies a believer. Ottawa is a four-point favorite. Interesting to note. Remus Boldy by Mitchell back in practice today, and the fact that he's practicing means that he is coming off early, um, as Farhan Lalji reported. So it could be Crum versus Bo Levi on Thursday night. That'd be a heck of a good matchup to get things going for the week. 
Yeah, and I kind of agree with what Ted was saying. That like, even if Hamilton had Bo Levi, I think they're going to be in a similar situation. He didn't look good the last couple of years with Calgary. Didn't look good early with Hamilton. You know, I wish him all the best. He got a nice contract from the Tie Cats, but I do believe his best days are behind him. Uh, but hopefully for him, you know, he can remain competitive and, and compete in the East. Uh, amazing how the line has shifted. <laughs> with uh, Crum's performance the last two weeks. And Ottawa, actually a favorite here, four-point favorite, uh, hosting Hamilton. I think I would probably i I'd have to wait and see Hamilton's quarterback situation, but probably would lean Ottawa. Well, the quarterback situation is interesting. We'll get to a why not question of the day in a minute for that. Argos, 10.5-point home favorites over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The BC Lions, eight-point road favorites in Edmonton to take on the Elks. This would officially clinch sole possession of the longest home losing streak in North American sports if BC gets that win. And the final game of the season is Montreal minus two and a half. Finest game of the week, excuse me, not the season. Uh, Montreal minus two and a half against the Calgary Stampeders, plus 2.5. But speaking of the CFL, I'll put this out to the chat right now on the why not question of the day for not Autocorp over at Waverly McGilvery. Um, as far as quarterbacks go, um, it, specifically with BC, um, who scares you more? Is it Vernon Adams, who looked quite good in game number one against the the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but certainly has had his ups and downs? Or is it Dane Evans? who looked great coming in. And, of course, we all remember that five-touchdown performance he put up against the Bombers last year. For whatever reason, Dane Evans has always looked really good against the Bombers, it seems. Maybe less so a VA. But uh, if you uh, if you had to choose the quarterback that you'd get on August 3rd, which one of those two, let us know in the comments here on the live YouTube chat. Of course, uh, all up there, Women's World Cup as well. One thing we do need to get ready is that early game, 7 a.m., Canada and Ireland. Interesting, a little bit more juice on Canada right now. Canada minus 167. Must win, must win game for our women after the tie in, uh, in uh, game number one. And then, of course, they finish up against the host Aussies, who will be a favorite in that match. Solid at CoolBet.com. Use the promo code WST if you haven't played there before on your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. All right, Remo, they're back at the track tonight. Beautiful weather. Should be a great night for live racing, and it's a great night to uh, try and get back in the wind column with some picks here. Yes. Well, I had some good picks last week. Nothing, like, crazy, but uh, I definitely had... I've been kind of treading water, just hitting, you know, breaking even slightly over, so I, I'm feeling good. Better than I felt a couple weeks ago. Um, we'll see how it goes for me tonight. Nothing, I've not had a lot two that good I... weeks. Other than that, I was horrible all season long. So uh, I've been chipping away at your lead. Yeah. I need another big one tonight. Yeah. So uh, here, let me bring up the picks or the races. Cinnaboy Downs. I'm starting on race three. So I don't know if you got one and two. Okay, I have one on race number two. I'm going with an exacta box four and five 
Rigged Right the Favorite, and Macer the Racer. So uh, $4 bet, basically $2 each way on an exacta for that one. Uh, I do not have race three, so you go with yours. Okay, race four. I got a triactor box. I got a couple triactor boxes, as I'm going for it here. Uh, there are the chalk ones, one, two, and five. Pray for peace, Brock on by, and Warriors map. We'll finish one, two, three. Any order. Right on. Um, what about race four? Oh, that was race that four? That was race four, yeah. Okay. We move on to race five. And uh, I am just going with a $5 bet on Big Big Energy, number mm-hmm. three, to win. Yeah. I got big, big energy in a tractor box with horse one, just a pose, and horse five, Milan, Ohio. I like that one. I was kind of going back and forth, but I saved my tractor boxes for the last oh, two races. Was that mine? Oh, no, that was, yeah, that was mine. Okay, let's hear what you, what do you got here, the last two. Okay, for race six. We're on three, five, and eight. Lucky Chucky, Gallant Oak, and Manu Dura. Three, five, eight, one dollar triactor box for that one. Okay, race six. Mm, I think I said my picks wrong. I can't read. <laughs> did I say horse three? Or race three? I, what did I do? Did I say anything race three? I don't think I did. Uh, yeah, yeah, you did. I got a 3-1 exacta, Mechanic Susie, Russian Pearl. Oh, maybe you didn't say I don't that think one. I said that one. Sorry, race six, I don't have anything race six. I do have race seven, though. All right, race seven, what do you got? Race seven, rocking club champ to win, $5. Big fan oh, of club nice. champ. I'm a big club champ guy. Me too. I do like club champ. Uh, Tractor box two, hard west, three club champ. And I believe number eight, drop a caribou. So there you go. There are the picks for today. Track gets going at 730. Hit the YouTube channel if you want Kirk and Stretch to break it all down for you. And um, maybe with a little bit more insight than you'll get from us that being said i've had two winning weeks so uh, let's make it three in a row a great week to get out to the track as well with this gorgeous gorgeous weather um hey remus before we go we have another an injury report a training camp injury in the national football league but it is of the more bizarre of sorts naheem hines Waiver wire regular in fantasy football, often picked up when guys get hurt. Signed with the Bills or traded to the Bills last year. It's going to be their main returner, third down back. He's out for the season. Why, you ask? He was hit by a jet ski. Of all of the ways to have your career limited and miss a season, That's one of the more bizarre ones I have ever heard. Uh, Apparently, they said he was just stationary, just sitting on a jet ski when he got hit by somebody else. Mm -hmm. I'm not making light of it. I mean, man, you lose a season in the National Football League, especially as a running back. Who knows whether you even get another chance to come back. And I was a fan of Naheem Hines when he was with the Colts. 
but it just stood out. I mean, that is a really, really weird way to get knocked out of the season. And I, listen, I realize there's some speculation like, what? How? But um, if you're a Bills guy or a Naheem Hines guy, bad news due to a jet ski mishap. Yeah, that's pretty rough. And they said he didn't ha- uh, he suffered no life-threatening injuries, for example, to his liver or kidney. Ex- they expect him to be returning to football for the 2024 season. But as far as injuries go, that's a bizarre one. Hit by a jet ski. Wasn't even moving. He was stationary. I mean, I joked to you before the show. Reminds me of when Jeff Kent was injured washing his truck, a.k.a. When they, sorry, they later found out he was on a motorcycle, which he was not supposed to do according to his contract. So I'm and not sure. around popping wheelies and doing burnouts and stuff. Yeah, so uh, crazy, you know, being on a stationary jet ski and getting ran over. Uh, that was the report about Naheem Hines, and really uh, sad to see that one. Yeah, next couple of weeks we'll get into a little more NFL talk. You know, maybe some uh, some training camp reports. We'll check in on the Vikings. Check in on some of the other teams. Uh, but definitely, we'll be all over it once the season gets going. Right now, though, big big CFL week, even without the Bombers in it. And tomorrow, Remus, we do have a very special guest joining us, the Turtle Man himself, one Milt Stegall. I cannot wait for this. Yeah, I wanted to hear what Milt has to say about the Bombers at the bye. What's going on with him? I don't know if we're going to bring it up, but it was the anniversary last week of what the 100 plus or what yard catch uh, against Edmonton. Remember that one? It was oh, big. Never forget it. Big anniversary. So I saw the saw the highlights all around social media. I don't know. If, I don't. I think sure he's been asked about that enough. But we want to talk about the Bombers at the bye. Like, should has, do we need to start booking? Our plane tickets to Hamilton uh, for November. Well, I'm trying we to want to get through the third of August to uh, to see that. Well, we probably should anyway. So it's always good to go to the Grey Cup. But if you're talking about booking bomber tickets there, um, hey, this is I think going to yeah, come down to BC, bomber. BC and Winnipeg. They got to win this one, and then if they do, the season series will be determined in their game in October in BC. But um, that'll be it. But, hey, two of the three games are in Winnipeg. They lost the first one. You got to have the next one. And speaking of Milt Stiegel, you know who was very effusive in his praise of Milt on Twitter on the weekend? Who? None other than Chad Johnson, a.k.a. Chad Ochocinco. Really? And Ochocinco watches all the CFL games. I need to get Ochocinco on the show. Talk to him about Milton, the CFL, about Messi, now at Inter-Miami. And by the way, what a highlight of the weekend. Messi coming in late and scoring the winning goal in the final seconds on that penalty. Holy crap, that was incredible. And, of course, McDonald's, because I believe Chad Johnson eats most of his meals at McDonald's. He is old school when it comes to... Uh, well, he's not a uh, he's not a hoity-toity type. He likes the... The common man's food. So anyways, Ocho Cinco, if you happen to be tuning in for more great CFL insight and knowledge, you're invited on the program. We'll make a, uh, we will definitely make a special invite to Mil- to uh, to Chad and see if we could get him on sometime. Would be, uh, that would be a lot of fun. I'm trying to find um, these, trying to find these tweets. 
Man, he uh, he tweets a ton, Ocho. I gotta, so I'll have to Very scroll pretty far. Very active on Twitter. Very yeah, active on Twitter. It's actually not Twitter anymore. Has it. It's called X. I don't know if you've noticed. What? It's, it's called, called X. X. That's what it's called. It's called X. Yeah. Don't you see it's the just big? Just gonna go to my the X big X. App. Yeah. Yeah. It's called X's and uh, X messages. Uh, when we send messages privately, they're now called X messages. They're not DMs anymore. Not DMs. And when you post, and if you want to see a, a nice video that I posted on Twitter, it's called an X video. Hus. X video. Of uh, I posted Fred Penner's appearance on the show last week with Murat. Uh, check that. Oh, check out that highlight on the Winnipeg Sports Talk Twitter. That was uh, that was a lot of fun, and that was a great clip that you put. Listen, I don't. What's the point of this? Elon Musk has got to put his Twitter big balls because... on the table and let everyone know how big is uh, how big they are. <laughs> he wants to tell everyone. Come on, why? Is this why? supposed to help the company? No. Why would you? No, of course not. Uh, like putting, taking an established brand like Twitter and then just changing it, uh, sounds like a really smart uh, business idea. Huh? Really smart. Yeah, of all the the great moves that he's made, I don't know about that forty four billion to buy I'm, X. <laughs> I'm convinced that um, he's intentionally trying to tank it and was was paid off by someone to just turn it into the shitter. Paid off by someone more well, than the forty-four billion that he was well, buying it with. I don't know. You see people throwing around billions of dollars to. I you know I don't need to get deep down this this Speaking rabbit. Speaking of billions of dollars, yeah, I don't need to go down Mbappe, to the rabbit hole. Kylian Mbappe allegedly has been offered one point one billion dollars for a one-year deal with the Saudi club. Essentially, it would be a $332 million transfer to his current team and then a $772 million deal one year, and then he'd be able to walk to Real Madrid for free the next season. You got to say it like uh, this with your with like Dr. Evil. $1.1 <laughs> billion. Dollars. That's what you got to do. Is that... Does that joke still fly in 2023? Because <laughs> that's what we were all doing in like 1999-2000. That's probably lost a little bit of its momentum over the past <laughs> two and a half decades. Just a thought. Uh, feels like anyways, yesterday. I don't know. Feels, yeah. like, feels like it came out yesterday to me. Uh, go out and see uh, Oppenheimer or Barbie. We're yeah. here for your reviews. Let us know. You can hit us up in the Discord on that. Maybe we'll make a, a, a separate chat uh, link for all that. Uh, but, hey, big thanks to Ted and, of course, Hammer for joining us today. And, again, congratulations to Breezy's Braxton Coons. Back-to-back-to-back Manitoba Amateur Championship wins, and good luck to him at the Canadian Am and at the Manitoba Open. Tomorrow on the program, the turtle man himself, Milt Stiegel. And we'll check in with Mike McIntyre as well. Join us tomorrow, 1 p.m. In the meantime, enjoy this gorgeous weather. And thanks for being with us on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.